Tito's and Shiner Gonna be an all-nighter And I just might find her At the Whataburger line Dance halls and women But man, I'm wishing That I was fishing by the river Howdy, 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 everyone. Welcome back to another special edition, they're all special, episode of Tex-ish. We have some breaking news, but before we get to the breaking news, as always, we have our not sponsors. Not sponsors. They don't sponsor us. They do not sponsor us. Seth, who is our first not sponsor? Our first not sponsor is Scotch. 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 Do you like bourbon? Do you like to drink it with your pinky out? Scotch. <laughs> bourbon for fancy people. Scotch. It's like whiskey for bald people. Scotch. Scotch. Add 20% to the cost. Scotch. Do you just really like being a D-bag? Scotch. Scotch. If you like smoking cigars, but it's like you're drinking it, <laughs> Scotch. Scotch. Have you ever smelled gasoline and thought, what would that taste like? Scotch. Scotch. <laughs> Scotch. When you want to be a respectable drunk. <laughs> Scotch. When you when you want to be sophisticated and yet sloppy. Scotch. Scotch. Most people don't know if it is Scotch. <laughs> Scotch. It comes in tape. Scotch. It's from the Scotland region of Scotland. <laughs> Scotchy Scotch. Scotch. Scotchy Scotchy Scotch. Hot we Scotch. Both love Scotch. <laughs> This episode is also brought, not brought to you by a, another beverage, hose water. Hose water. Are you from the rural areas of Texas, perhaps? Did you run around getting sweaty and tired and think, I'm thirsty? Did There's you play an outdoor sport? Did you just not drink regular water? Hose water. It's for when Austin says, don't drink the water, and you say, hold my beer, I'll still drink it. Hose water. Hose water, keeping kids healthy and disease-free since forever. Hose water, it's only one degree lower than the temperature outside. Hose water. Hose water, it's a little crunchy. Hose water, comes out piping hot. <laughs> and sometimes really cold. Careful, and burn your mouth. Hose water, you can drink it, spray people with it, and then drink it again. Hose water, if you want your water to have character, hose water. <laughs> hose water, it tastes normal. <laughs> hose water, like plastic? Hose water. Ever made your mom mad? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we, we do have some breaking news. Breaking a bit of news. A... Funny that you call it breaking news. Bra- oh. oh, too soon? All your exes. One of them lives in <laughs> Texas. Um, one half of this podcast has recently gone through a breakup. Is going through yeah. a breakup. Don't and... fear. It is um, as healthy as I think it could be. Uh, both sides respect each other both sides have love for each other sometimes two people enter each other's lives at a good time and have the wherewithal to exit before Mm -hmm. it gets bad and i I, we were talking about it before we pressed record you are you're very sad yeah i'm sad for you thank you but y'all did y'all ended it well Mm -hmm. and we even alluded we talked about y'all are still gonna be friends and that sounds cheesy but it does uh we will absolutely be friendly yeah Um, and this i hope this doesn't sound offensive y'all didn't date long enough for it to be like we can't be friends anymore 
Yeah, exactly. Like y'all, yeah. y'all are very good we people. S- we were friends almost as long as we dated. Yeah, and like we, we, I still love her. It's yeah. not a bad thing. It is. It's interesting. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt. Yeah. One. Well, it's interesting. I think part of why, other than actually peeling the curtain back for once, mm-hmm. on the podcast, <laughs> telling people about yeah, us. Yeah, we usually kind of keep everything we're close pretty to the lighthearted. Chest. <laughs> um, <laughs> we. The podcast sort of started as yeah. a not a heartbreak project, but as a as a thing to pour energy into for yeah. both of us. But you were coming off the heels of uh, yeah. a broken off engagement and living in LA for six years, mm-hmm. and so when you're moving, I always tell people, I love this podcast, and I love what we're doing, and they're like, "Well, how did it start?" And I said, "Well, it was actually sort of like <laughs> my brother was moving yeah. back, and we just wanted something to work on together, and he was." coming off of this breakup and right and this was like lowest barrier to entry yeah um, and it's like the best thing we could ever do yeah um, and it's turned into something that is so much more than just like a project to lift me out of something oh it's so um, much more than that but i i i will always appreciate it for that and it, it was it was kind of weird walking in with my bags to, to today because we like, started right cause this here. is where we started yeah. this is how we started <laughs> so i was like oh deja vu fun just a little bit of deja same vu. but different yeah and be yeah, sad. How, how are you doing? I have been worse. That's good. Yeah. Um it, like anybody who's ever been through a breakup, even even the ones that are not hostile uh and you know, even the ones that are not like bad. Mm-hmm. Uh which this one is neither of those things. This is again as healthy as I think that there could yeah. be. It's a breakup. Um, it's a breakup. But... So it means there's sadness, but it also means that, you know, Man, somebody once said things don't happen to you, they happen for you. And I think this happened for both parties. Are you referencing the stoic BS that we get into on this no. episode? No. What? I'm not alluding to anything. Not a, okay, all right. Uh, fine. This way the stars <laughs> by Noah Heisman. Get it now on Amazon. We'll get to him in we'll a minute. We'll get to him in a minute. Also, um, uh, so that's it's a heavy time for it is, the yeah. Texas bros at um, the moment. Uh, but nothing really changes. No, um, nothing. We're still going to be putting out episodes. And this is a little bit... We're not going to do our regular... Uh, segments. Just because this is a state of the union. State uh, of the pod. Yeah, state of the pod. State of the state, if you will. And we have no talking points. <laughs> no, we don't, obviously. As we are completely not organized, as usual. I So I'll start it with... Well, yeah. I actually have one question I want to yeah, ask please. you, then I'll ask the state of the union podcast. Yep. How hard is it to answer the question, how are you doing right now? hard because even just now i said how are you doing and your answer was like i've been yeah i've been worse um why is it so hard for us just to say to i say, feel really crappy i well it's funny that you say that i actually had because i did go to the gym today yeah um you rolled i rolled i died my first uh, does. i'm just gonna you know what i'm gonna just go hard in the paint really quick i'm gonna say the thing you taught me how to do an arm bar yeah for all the masculine stuff we talk about like how manly jiu-jitsu sure. is that's the gayest thing i've ever done <laughs> our pelvises were very close you were mounting yeah and if that's what tucker max and dr simpson and joe rogan and all the other people who i can't say anymore right are are doing and and saying i feel so good that is by far and away if we were in middle school yeah g word thing i've ever experienced in my life man it was um 
it was so interesting. This is my first class. I've never done any type of like wrestling or rolling. Jiu-jitsu really. for when you're straight, but you're also <laughs> gay. Not sponsored by jiu-jitsu. <laughs> Not sponsored by homo eroticism. Eroticism. So it will be interesting mm-hmm. to go through it. Um, yeah. I, I went ahead and committed to a year, so I am going to get good at this. Well, you're going to fight in a year. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm. You're either going to well. fight or compete. You're going to. I will compete. be competing in some yeah. sort of organized. Yeah. Um, I totally sidetracked us. That's fine. How bad is, how hard is it to answer? the question so after after rolling yeah. i went to the gym to just get a quick workout in and i i saw um one of our our good friends bray he's like yeah. hey how you doing and i was just like not good man uh and it was said in in the right way mm-hmm. i was honest and he was just like got it and left me alone he's a good person to answer honestly too honestly yeah because i he didn't he didn't take it personally mm-hmm. um and i think he understood but that that is one of those things that i think is important to emphasize about building a community that supports you mm-hmm. in that you can have those moments of vulnerability and honesty and not fear backlash yeah well backlash or i think what prevents people oftentimes from saying i bad today i'm doing bad today i'm doing bad is people are gonna rush to help you or rush to and my fear is always that yeah is that it will put it on that person to make me feel better yeah. And I, I think that's our fear collectively mm. is that we are putting our badness on them and we're afraid of that. Uh, but if you just own, I'm not doing well today. Nothing you need to do. Nothing you need to do about it. I I would um, I think in our culture now you almost would have to say to most people, I feel awful today. Yeah. Do not say anything. Yeah. Don't. Know that's what's happening. <laughs> no, that's and how I am. I'm going and to get my job done. Proceed to treat me normal, knowing that I'm just not happy right now. I have been ruminating on a phrase Dad used to say to us all the time, and it is cowboy up. Cowboy up. It was it was cowboy up and calf rope. And Those were the they two. Had two different distinctions. It was either <laughs> cowboy up, meaning hey, move forward. Get. It's not pull yourself up. No, like, it is just. It is accept what's happening. Yes, your leg just got broken by a horse. Yeah. Go to the go to the hospital. Right. And get it fixed. When I'm I'm reading uh, <laughs> I'm reading Lonesome Dove, so it it, it even means more right now. Yeah. What it's like. All right, cowboy up. You just got rained on. You have to you know get forty cows back to the main mm-hmm. herd, and it's gonna suck. Cowboy up. Yeah. Like, it and has once to happen. And it's gonna end. And it is going to end. The, the, the cattle drive will be over. The cattle drive. Speaking of dad's sayings, I'm trying yeah. so hard to make this as lighthearted as possible. <laughs> um, we can, we, if we need to, we can always start over. No, I no, I'm not. I won't start over. I'm just realizing. I hope it doesn't seem like I'm being toxically optimistic oh, or no, yeah, avoiding. Um, well, it, I obviously like look. Let's be honest. I want this to help Noah, our friend Noah. Yeah, Noah published a book and worked really hard on it and did it on his own. I work at a publishing company where we handhold people through the whole process, which some people need that. It's a hard process. It's a hard process when you have help. Yeah. Noah did this on his own, and it's actually a really good book mm-hmm. and very well written. We'll get to him in a minute. I heard someone the other day say, not my circus, not my monkeys. Oh, yeah. And it's I, the way I translated that was I thought, not my circus. And then I heard Dad say, all hat, no cattle. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's kind of like that. Okay, cool. <laughs> Good to know. Um, but, yes. So, that was the question. Now I'll ask. Yeah. State of the podcast. Where is, to you, to Seth. To Seth. Where's the podcast going? What's going down? What are your feelings? We had such a positive response to the video mm-hmm. uh, with Tucker Max. From pe- just personally, person to person, I yeah. asked a couple people what they thought, 
and they were so jazzed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just use the word jazzed. What is wrong with you? You are in a low point. They were so excited to see that I wasn't just being like, hey, listen to my podcast. It was like, oh, this is pro. Like, yeah. these were not listeners that we had. These are people in a development group mm-hmm. that I go to. Yeah. And they were categorically impressed yeah. with that little short, you know, mm-hmm. with the with the B-roll and the... Yep. And I got a shout out to Reese who did the videography. Reese, like, go, fi- go follow Reese Reisig. He's awesome. And I say all of that to say that is the goal is yeah. to have that production level mm-hmm. at every single podcast. Yep. Turn that out at every single So point. for me, for Seth, it is getting guests on that are dynamic and interesting that have something to share mm-hmm. about Texas that is unique that we can capture on film yeah. to tell Texas story mm-hmm. in a way that yeah. nobody has told it. And then edit the video in a way that it grows and gets... Right. Because there's, as I've been reading into, there's ways... Because mm-hmm. there's the Tucker Max video, which we're so forced to have, and then there's the J- the Javon one, which is just as good of an interview, but because it's three guys sitting down talking, right. it's different. It's different. It's, it's stagnant. Yeah. Which, again, we and we've talked about mm-hmm. this on like going back and forth. Should we put it on? Should, should we not? It's we have to uh, do it to grow the videos. We have to do the thing where you open the clip with a really shocking statement. And it'll be interesting to see, this is where we started video-wise, and this is where we are now. Yeah, as we did with the audio. As we did with the audio. At, with uh, the audience. We started with our mom, and now, <laughs> now, frankly, guys, we're at about 500 downloads per episode per week, which is Which, awesome. for us, is awesome. I, For something that started out as a side project yep. that we had no hopes for, other mm-hmm. than, hey, let's get together once a week and yep. talk about Texas and maybe mm-hmm. have a beer. Like, that was what this is. Yeah. And now it's growing, um, which is really cool. I mean, we incorporated a lot. We are <laughs> a lot's happening. Yeah, if you guys want to send us money, you can write well, it you off. Can totally, by you the can way. totally write it off. <laughs> um, the LLC and everything. Texas yeah. LLC, make your checks out. Uh, especially you, Manscaped. We're waiting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> totally kidding. Um, yes. So like that's the that state. Uh, thank mm-hmm. you. I appreciate that. I, I say this as humbly as I possibly can. For me, Texas is to become the new no reservations that like is what that. seth wants I love uh that. and i just refer to myself in third person and i cringed a little bit on the inside you know dude um everyone is literally we're gonna get so many pity listens <laughs> <laughs> when you start making ads right now of, oh, hey man. by the way seth is heartbroken and got broken up with listen to <laughs> please listen it's the only thing here who wants going? to come listen to I'm a white so guy sad. talk about his problems that's what's up <laughs> But yeah, I like that. Thanks, man. Now you ask me. No, no. I was I was getting ready. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. So, um, hey, Gunner. So what I think the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, sorry. Ask the question, yeah, please. No. <clears throat> Gunner Rogers. Yes. In the uh, in the green sweatshirt. Yes. You, sir. What does the Texas podcast mean to you? It means. And what is it becoming? I mean, the general statement is it means so much. Mm-hmm. I, I love making things with you. I love build. I love building this with you. I love learning about people and about yeah, and not just the people we interview, but it's a weird thing where I learn about other people when they listen to it and the input they give or the feedback they give or the just that they liked it in general. But also, I feel a massive burden slash responsibility to build this thing into 
a very recognizable, respectable show because we are getting such a high caliber guest every single time. Yeah. And it's not a it's not that I'm in a not enough itis state. It really is just no, we are sharing some incredible stories about people making a state that is polarizing, that is controversial, that is that does have room for improvement that has room for that are making it home and doing a lot of really cool things in it and i want more people i want everyone to know about it yeah me too um so for me it's an it's also a means of it's a means of learning it's a means of exploration it's a means of responsibility i also i see it going i don't don't know how i'm in a place right now and you've been sort of talking this through with me this week where I have felt very hesitant to make jokes here and there. And I, I'm saying this fully understanding there is such thing as too far. There is such thing as watching your tongue. But frankly, the Akash Singh interview on Rogan mm-hmm. and just really think, stepping back and thinking, I know when I'm joking and I know what intending to harm is and there is a difference. Yeah. And I'm actually enjoying learning, you know, what does it look like to be humorous? in front of a bunch of people that are going to have opinions about it, but fully trust and know like who I am and the, and the humor that we're sharing and inviting people into and trusting and knowing that as we grow, there's going to be a little bit more criticism just because naturally as we grow, there are going to be people that have opinions that are negative about the jokes we make or Mm -hmm. the things we say or the guests we have on. And I hope we get that big. And I'm, I'm okay with that. And I think, I think I'm getting to a place where I'm okay with that. And I'm a little more confident in, no, we can make jokes. Like Mm -hmm. we, we can do the thing. We've earned that right. We, we can do that. The people who don't like the jokes can also do that. And to your point, we're also never going to be that podcast that opens on an American flag and rifles (laughs) and sunglasses and cut-off shirts. Me and Seth (laughs) earlier, we were talking about, Let's just get into it just really quick. Yeah, fine. Two things. One, earlier this week, I was talking about how I really want to buzz my head, shave, yeah. not bald, but to a two yeah. guard, a very military looking haircut. Yeah. And Seth said, I also want to cut my hair like that. And I immediately said, we can't do we that can't at the do same that. time. Because <laughs> if we share a video of us two with that haircut doing a podcast, we will blow up for being an alt-right podcast. <laughs> and that's what we don't want. And that's what we don't want and are not. Yeah. So we had to literally put it in writing, like, neither yeah. of us will ever have we'll a buzz cut at, buzz the, same at time. the same time. Um, and then there was also the conversation that came after it of, like, but if we did? Okay, so, and that turned into a conversation. We were talking about how, as we just said, we, we're getting about 500. We're averaging 500 downloads per episode per week. So also keep in mind those downloads grow over time, too. That's awesome. We also realize that we're not a niche podcast, mm-hmm. and we're never going to be. But I, w- I will own, I know for a fact that if I buzz, not buzz my head, but if I put a rifle in my lap and put a Black Rifle Coffee sure. company flag behind me and an American flag next to it, and we said we support the troops, we would probably get a million followers the yeah. next day. Hashtag Hodge Twins. The reality... The re- <laughs> That's a whole other podcast. You know what? No, I'm going to get into it right now. I'm just going to say it. I think it is hilarious how many white people love the Hodge twins and prop them up as evidence that they're not racist. And the Hodge twins know it and they're profiting off of it. And I think it's the coolest thing ever. 
He's pretty fun, man. Like, the amount of money they've made off of white people claiming they're not racist because they're wearing a Hodge Twins t-shirt, those are genius people. So, I remember the Hodge Twins from when they were just a fitness YouTube. Yeah. They were one of the OGs. Like, okay. Like, pretty old school fitness YouTubers. Mm-hmm. And it is so funny to see that translate into what it is now. Yeah. And I'm with you. Like, I, I love what they're doing. Yeah. I think it's great. From a business perspective. Yeah, I don't yeah. listen to the podcast because cool. I don't agree with half the things they say, and I don't need, a li- I don't need to listen to it. Right. I, I tend to stay away from yeah. that type of from, thing anyway. From, frankly, they're mean. Like can be a little mean they they belittle people that it's they, a little too mean for me yeah it's a little dan crenshaw another can he be gets a little, a little too little petty too a little too mean he does the thing he doesn't like well again we, you mentioned the akash the akash singh episode of rogan same thing man I, I grew up in texas yeah when people get super far right it really bothers it me. pushes me left and when, when i hear people get super far left i get a, i pushed a little more right really bothers me so, so it's that it's threading that needle all to say we're aware <laughs> that if but I, I hope that points to the people listening or people that want to have a, an opinion about this mm-hmm. again i'll own it right now if we wanted to be a conservative podcast and say a bunch of stuff that we do not believe and we would grow way faster. do not mean we would grow way faster obviously we're not going to do that because our intention is to have fun Mm-hmm. share stories that we think are worth sharing and invite all of you into it whether you are left right latino black asian texan not texan from california i don't care i will at more frequent times moving forward say what i think sure and if you disagree with it you imaginary person DM us, let us know. We are open yeah. to changing our minds. We're open to being told we said something flagrant. If it wasn't flagrant and you tell me it is, I'm probably going to tell you that I'm not sorry, but... Right. But that's never our yeah. intent. I don't know where I'm going. I just wanted to highlight that we were talking about earlier that we know there's a way we could do this if our intent was to grow and have a bunch of followers. And that's not the intent. And I hope that it's clear to everybody at this point that that's not what we're doing. Yeah. And it's because we believe in the show we're making now. 100 percent and that's a decent segue into into making sure your macbook's not turned off. <laughs> all right we're good into having noah noah heisman beautiful man beautiful man beautiful philosopher. stoic philosopher smart he's a lawyer the only lawyer and philosopher i've ever come across who i don't think is tacky and full of crap well you'll, you'll notice he's not a lawyer anymore true well he doesn't work in law He's kind anymore. of a sexy liar. Though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a good segue into somebody who studies the things that we believe in mm-hmm. and why we believe mm-hmm. in them. Morals, ethics, yep. where they come from, why they matter, how they matter. Why we care. Why we care about them. Why should we? Why we should care about what we care about. And that's what we were just talking about is we care that the thing that we're creating is of us mm-hmm. for you. Yes, and we care. We care that you enjoy it, and hopefully, 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 it is authentic. It is true, and that translates. And for it to be authentic, we have to more frequently because we've gotten this feedback. We've had people tell us, "Why do you not share your opinion more?" And because I'm scared, I'm scared out of my mind <laughs> to it do is, that. It is scary to. Um, 
say what you think yep on a large platform <laughs> is smart. trying to grow it and be that open and care about not hurting people and know that if you're wrong mm-hmm. having the courage to admit it yep so that is i don't know i think i think that dovetails really nicely into some of the things that we talk about mm-hmm. um, we talk a lot about stoicism yeah we, we talk about some philosophers who are both brilliant and insane yep um, who might may or may not have driven themselves into the grave by their insanity and we do push back on Noah a little bit. A little we, bit at the end. We even highlight, um, we, we, at the end, we highlight, like, are you just trying to be Ryan Holiday? Right. Or I, like, what I is think this? I curse a few times. Sorry, Mom. I get a little out of hand sometimes. I apologize. It's only a few. Only a um, few. Uh, Manscaped, 20%. Texas, T-E-X-I-S-H. Go get you a lawnmower 4.0. We have a great conversation with Noah Heisman. His book, This Way to the Stars, is available on Amazon now. Look up This Way to the Stars on Amazon. After that, go to manscaped.com. Use code TEXISH, T-E-X-I-S-H, for 20% off your lawnmower 4.0 with free worldwide shipping. Get intelligent. Get moral. Be like the philosophers. Be smooth. Here's Noah Heisman. Street boys. Two, we're not. We are ninety-five degrees. Ninety-five degrees. Degree, degree, ninety-eight. 98. <laughs> What's the big one from ninety-eight degrees? Uh, uh, now I'm thinking of boys to men songs. Right. Boys to uh, men. Oh, no Vaseline. That's the one. Mm, mm. I don't think so. That's a nice. <laughs> That's uh, Nick Lachey is, is the guy. Degrees, right? Yeah. Ninety-eight degrees, right? Ninety-five yeah. or ninety-eight? Ninety-eight. Because body, because body heat. What is yeah, the yeah. song by them? I don't know. I, don't, uh, I honestly yeah, don't know. People are going to be screwed up. <laughs> nah, bro. That is not 90. That is not 90. Is that Boys to Men? Um, I, it sounds like Boys to Men. <laughs> yeah. Well, we have former 98 Degrees member right. Noah Heisman. <laughs> Noah, what was it like to be part of a boy band? Uh, you know, I, honestly, the um, it's funny because. Uh, my brother and all of his friends always used to joke that I would be, when I was little, he, they were six years older than me. Yeah. The running joke was that I was going to be in a boy band because I was always dancing, I was always singing, I was <laughs> yeah. always performing. And, and you're really good looking. <laughs> yeah, let's not leave that out. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. These guys. I, There's plenty yeah. of ugly people that can dance. <laughs> right. And guess what? They're not in boy bands. <laughs> there is a denominator in all of that, and it's... I think it's being and good it's looking. being really, really hot. Being really, really good looking. You can <laughs> do it professionally. Is, is uh, our opinion. Well, maybe we should strike one up. Maybe yeah. we should. Yeah. Uh, what, speaking of. Yeah. Music. Yes. Mm. Go to karaoke songs. Ooh. See, I go a few ways because yeah. I can go super sentimental and to the heart. It's very Austin of you to go yeah, a few ways. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, ha, that's good. <laughs> that, go. He's in on it. He's in on he's it. He's in on the joke. Um, either like Sugar We Going Down by Fall Out Boy, just get everyone <sighs> amped up, just throw it all the way back. Or maybe Pony by Genuine. Oh, wow. So just go two completely different ways. Right. Wow. That's very Gunner. Yeah. yeah, what, yeah, what yeah. would your karaoke song? Um, I'm not a very good singer, so I, I do have to doubt to it. Point that out. Um, whenever I, whenever I've had to do karaoke, one time they had. Um, did you ever watch Hamilton? Oh yeah, love so Hamilton. So the, the King George 
Yep. Yeah. So I that's one of my go tos is you'll be back. Because I can just have fun Ooh, with be it. be back. Okay. Soon see you. <laughs> and you said, remember you. Yeah, all right. Okay. So Wait, like, yeah. it, that is so be, funny. You can just be fun with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's or, the best, in my opinion. I think he's the best character in Hamilton. Oh, dude. He's, I, he's so funny. Um, I actually thought that Tick, Tick, Boom was did you, a better. Did you see, how many times did you see that movie? I've seen it about five times. I've about watched five it times. twice. Point, is it still sure. good? It's still Does really it good. Yeah. Okay. Tick, Tick, Boom. Yeah. Uh, I tr- I've tried watching it. It's I terrible. lost interest at, at, at like 15 minutes. Oh, you got to oh, stick you with it. You lasted like five minutes longer than me. Than I That's yeah. what she said. Um, <laughs> wait, what's your wait, go-to what? karaoke song? <laughs> yeah, what's your go-to karaoke? Uh, lean on me. Lean on me. Yeah. Ooh, nice. So you yeah. want everyone together. You want to yeah. get the whole. I do. I do. Yeah. And it's just, it's, uh, it touches a place. Yeah. How do many you... siblings do you have? Two. Two? I'm do the youngest. You, well, is that part of like, um, do you just want everybody hanging out? Like, is that part uh, of the So fun fact about my familial history mm-hmm. is. Um, my dad sang it in karaoke on one of the first dates with my mom Aww. in, in one or over, uh, with nice. lean on me. And so, mm-hmm. uh, I remember we, we went on a family all inclusive trip to Mexico and it was the first time I sang lean on me as karaoke yeah. and then it just became my song. There you yeah. go. Um, do so you, I love it. Have you ever heard anyone do the, like lean on me when you're not strong, weak, I'll be nah, your friend. I'm not Enemy. Is that, is that like I, the Bible camp version? Yeah. yeah. That's, exactly <laughs> right, yeah. Bible, that's the first thing I started thinking of. <laughs> I like the DC talk version. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, DC talk. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Love oh, DC talk. It back. Dude. DC wow. Talk. We are, have yeah, so many memories coming up in this podcast <laughs> already. So, yeah, announcement. Uh, we are now a boy band called yeah. the Love Machines. <laughs> Catch the Love Machines at your local karaoke bar. Mm-hmm. We play three songs. Sugar, we're going down. Lean on me. And you'll we'll be, be back. back. And, we'll be, and that's our closer. <laughs> that is for closer. sure because they'll be back. You gotta like spit all over the mic. <laughs> you do. Yeah. And then you just like, here you go. Spe- um, <laughs> uh, speaking of, speaking of, of Hamilton, uh, I mentioned it. I do mention it in my book mm-hmm. uh, a few times. One of the lines that's repeated over and over again from Hamilton's mentality is this idea of like, why do you write like you're running out of time? Yeah. Um, and so there is this sense of urgency. And I felt like when I was writing my book, um, there was this weird sort of sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I've always loved that portion of Hamilton. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why, but that like idea that you never know how much time you have left. I yeah. just, I just took a very, very yeah, serious yeah. turn. Well, hey, we're going to get right talking about Hamilton. <laughs> while we're talking about Hamilton. So obviously you've written the book. How old are you? I'm 31. You're 31. And you chose every 31 year old's like favorite topic philosophy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I I can't remember exactly how old Hamilton was sort of at his zenith mm-hmm. and peak when he was doing all these things, but it's right around, it was right around 31. 28, 30, yeah. I mean, that oh. is back when people died at 35, That's but right. still. I mean, he Facts. was a grandpa already. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jesus died at 33. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah. Um, exactly. uh, yeah, no, I, I, um, I for, for whatever reason, I, now obviously, having gone to law school mm-hmm. and spent a great deal of time mm-hmm. learning about Hamilton and Madison and yeah. sort of the founding fathers and take my, my favorite classes were uh i took a, a class called um federal jurisdiction which is in lincoln in the constitution and constitutional mm-hmm. law love those are my favorite topics okay um and that's what pushed me in the trajectory of philosophy i'd always had an interest in philosophy but then you get to law school and you f- you find how especially our founding documents and our founders how influenced they were by philosophy right mm-hmm. i mean 
politics all it is is it started as philosophy plato's republic mm -hmm. it was like one of the very first treatises on what it looked like for a good government to exist and for it to provide the infrastructure for people to flourish right. and that is the purpose of government and that's been talked about since the beginning of time and, and since sort of philosophy has its roots in that thought experiment and so for me um i my love for for philosophy started when um when I turned 16, mm -hmm. uh, it, one of the things my mom and dad did for me and my brother is they gave us a sword when we turned 16. My brother got the sword of David. Okay. I got the sword of Solomon. Real swords, but like... Like replica swords, replica, but real okay, swords. Yeah, I still sure. have it in my bedroom to okay, this day. Nice. Whenever people like... Is it over the bed? No. It's leaning against, it's leaning <laughs> it's against my dresser. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's leaning against my it's dresser. It's hanging by a string in the middle. Right. It's just, just yeah, away. it's the, uh, the... Is it Sword of Damocles? Is yeah, that yeah, the... That's yeah. the one. Yeah, the hanging sword. Um, yeah, so uh, I got the sword of Solomon, and it sort of has the Star of David on it. Mm -hmm. And um, Solomon is considered sort of the first wise king, the first yeah. philosopher king. One of the wisest man. The wisest man who ever lived. Yeah. Um, and so when I got that sword, my mom gave me a companion book called The Richest Man Who Ever Lived by this guy named Stephen Scott. And The Richest Man Who Ever Lived is meant to be read in connection and in parallel with the book of Proverbs. Um, there's 30 books in Proverbs. And so, uh, the task was to read one a day for 30 days while reading this book sort of alongside of it. Mm -hmm. And I will, I remember, um, the first time I read it, I just, I, there were the very, the very first thing he talks about in that book is see a man diligent in his business. He shall stand before Kings. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it, that was one of Benjamin Franklin's favorite verses of Proverbs. His dad told him that at, at a very young age. And one of my favorite stories of all time is how in Benjamin Franklin's case, he learned it at a young age. And then it turned out to actually be true. He yeah. actually stood before Kings mm -hmm. in the process of the revolution. And he was, you know, the, the diplomat who was sent yeah, over to France to, specifically. Exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, that was like a really cool thing that stuck with me. Mm -hmm. And I would say, my parents always emphasize sort of hard work, but anyway, I, I fell in love with Solomon at that stage of my life. Um, and then throughout it kind of bubbled in the background, you yeah. know, there's not a ton of discussions that happened in high school about yeah, philosophy at and, all. <laughs> yeah. And then went to college. And then before I went to law school, um, I was lucky enough to have my mentor who actually, uh, redirected my path from business school to law school. Mm -hmm. I asked him before I went to law school in preparation, um, I asked him if there were, if he knew of any like dense or material books that I could read to yeah. sort of get me yeah. prepped. Infinite Jest just wasn't doing it anymore. <laughs> there were too many footnotes. It made it too easy to understand. Yeah. You know? Facts. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I asked him, and, he, and the book he gave me was Meditations by Marcus mm -hmm. Aurelius. Okay. Um, and so is I, this pre Ryan Holiday's re release of those, or is this like the I didn't discover meditations? the original med yeah, yeah. meditations. This yeah. is the Penguin. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, Just the reprint, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't know who Ryan Holiday was until... Good for you. Good. That was a probably a better time. time ago. Yeah. We're an anti-Ryan Holiday <laughs> podcast, but... We're, we're a we question Ryan Holiday's uh, commitment. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we'll get to that. Fair later. enough. We'll get to that. I would love um, to talk about that. I, uh, I, I don't want to interrupt you too much, yeah, yeah. but I am curious. Was this a men was this like a faith-based mentor, like from the church you were going to? No. Or was this just a guy, an older guy that you trusted in your life that was pretty smart. Yeah. So, uh, not a faith-based mentor. He okay. was a professor at my undergrad. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he 
taught my legal classes. So he taught, he taught my business administration class. He taught my introduction to, um, business management class, Mm -hmm. business law class. I took like four classes from him. Okay. And so he wasn't my original advisor in undergrad, but he mm-hmm. became my advisor. Okay. And he went to law school at the University of South Dakota. Mm-hmm. And I I will never forget, he always had this um, piece of paper. I don't remember who said it. This piece of paper with a quote on the outside of his door. And it said, um, truth is a legal process. <laughs> and I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. I was like, what, what does that mean? Yeah. Um, but – Having gone to law school, and then it's something I talk about actually in the book also of um, so the, the the not to go down this rabbit hole. I'll make it brief. Truth is a legal process. Uh, John Stuart Mill, um, late 1700s, early 1800s, he wrote a treatise called On Liberty, and he sort of talks about the stumbling toward truth and the necessary components of why it's not good to silence opposing opinions, mm-hmm. and he offers sort of three reasons why that's the case, but. When you think about it, um, what underlies our legal structure and the adversarial method that we have is this idea that truth, perhaps truth can only be seen in the clashing of opposing swords. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The idea like there has to be nobody's version of the truth is full and complete. You Mm -hmm. need competing stories and maybe you get a glimpse of it. Yeah. And it's in the middle, right? Yeah, exactly. Somewhere in the middle. And so like you had this very profound thing just all captured in this very confusing little quote. (laughs) Like, yeah. (laughs) And so, I mean, what was very interesting to me and he wasn't my advisor. I remember he wasn't my advisor going into my senior year. And, um, I would just, he was one of those professors. I would just wander in his office and we would have just talks and discussions mm-hmm. and built the relationship that way. And it's actually funny that earlier this week when I posted my reel about being an ambassador for yeah. Roan, he commented on it. Are you serious? Yeah. He com- <laughs> I, and I haven't talked to him in a very long time. He commented yeah. on it and like how proud he was of me. And then I immediately, I was like, no, thank you, thank you. for being the one that put yeah. Meditations by Marcus yeah. Aurelius in my hands. Yeah. Um, and so it's just funny. I, I got to imagine that's probably one of the best parts of being a teacher. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's a long way of answering your question that no, it was not a faith-based yeah, was, mission. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, and so he gives you Meditations. <laughs> yeah. You've been craving something more dense, something yeah. with more meaning to it. What was it like to have read The Richest Man Who Ever Lived? Which it like is more, you know, scripture based yeah. in faith and then step into Marcus Aurelius where it's like not a faith informed philosophy. So, uh, yeah, that um, defines the tension that I felt within me mm-hmm. throughout law school and up until I wrote this book, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and a large part of writing this book was to resolve that tension of how do I reconcile these two things, mm-hmm. right? A faith based wisdom and a secular based one, because mm-hmm. I, I think the story I was told growing up a lot was I was almost steered away from like Stoics and sort of yeah. secular wisdom. Not, on the idea. not church. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent. Which I think a lot of people can identify with that For story sure. in their yeah. faith journeys. Yeah. And it honestly, I think a lot of people can probably identify with the fact that it kind of that sort of rigid ideological view of mm-hmm. Christianity sort of drove me away from it a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um, and yeah, it, so I drifted more towards Marcus Aurelius. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, uh, at that stage of my life and then law school and law school was something that, um, 
for three years, you basically do nothing but questioning everything, question everything that has ever yeah, existed and right. will ever exist. Because you're just reading cases and all. Just, yeah, right? it's just and you learn to be so skeptical. Mm-hmm. I mean, because all you're doing day in and day out, hundreds of pages of reading that teach you to see the worst case scenario in all situations. Mm-hmm. So all you're doing is looking at the pessimistic side of humanity and things mm-hmm. that can go wrong. Um, and for somebody that has that natural inclination or tendency already to begin with, um, and a lot of people that go to law school do, it can really, I think it's a really, it can take a lot of people to a really dark place yeah. and sort of teach them to live in a headspace that isn't um, conducive to smiling, <laughs> joy, <laughs> to being happy. Is it one of those things where like, to a you know to a hammer everything is a nail yeah so once you're trained in that way of thinking no matter what you see is that kind of how it appears yeah so how it appeared yes how it appeared for me when i noticed it the most just how much it had affected me it was like in past relationships mm-hmm. um i will make a mat like i would make a mountain out of a molehill so like if there was mm-hmm. any possible way to interpret somebody's actions in a negative way yeah like oh they hate me or it's because they're lying to me or whatever. If there was an excuse to be made and like a way I could interpret those actions in a way that made me think that they viewed me in some negative way, I was there. Like I was assuming the worst in every situation. Mm -hmm. And it just, I mean, the last relationship I was in was three and a half years ago, but that very much was the downfall of that relationship. And that's when I sort of came face to face with the reckoning of like, my life is killing me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that's where I started to try to do some of the work to heal, I guess you would call it. Yeah. Do you think a lot of people in your position who are outwardly successful, lawyer, handsome, tall, <laughs> handsome, handsome, <laughs> good singer we hear, uh, do you think a lot of people like you who are relatively young and, and find themselves unhappy in successful situations, what is it that pushes them to re-examine or do you think most people even have the strength to do so? Um, what is it that pushes them to re-examine? Um, I, I'm not sure. Uh, one of my favorite, I, are you guys are you familiar with uh, Dante's Divine Comedy? Dante Alighieri, Divine Comedy. Yeah, the uh, Levels in, of Hell. And, yeah, Inferno, yeah, yeah, Purgatorio, Paradiso. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I probably quote that poem more than anything else in my book. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts out with the words midway along life's journey. Um, I found myself in a for in a dark forest for the straightforward path had been lost. Mm-hmm. And so it's that human um, sort of phenomenon of the midlife crisis. I think technology for us has accelerated that. Yeah, for sure. And so now it's become more like a quarter life mm-hmm. thing when people you sort of once you get all the things that you're told will make you happy and they don't make you happy. Yeah. That's when you're cut down, you're in yeah. the dark forest and you're just like everything about life that led me to this spot has been misleading me. Yeah. I need to find new guides out of the dark forest. Yeah. Well, especially right. like our generation and our demographic, like two parent households, right? Before yeah. Loving parents, white, told to yeah. go to go to school, right. get the education. The yep. education will get you the happiness and the happiness is what you want. You get a degree, you'll get a job. The job will give you money. The money, the money will make you, ha- will yeah. make you solid and safe. And if yep. you're solid and safe, everything works out. And yep. then and then you get there and you're like, mm-hmm. I don't even know if I like half the things right. that I've built my life on. Yeah. So um, 100%, uh, I will 
one of the things I try to focus on in the book that has been occupying a lot of my headspace lately. Mm-hmm. And this goes back to stoicism, but it very much relates to what we just said of like, this will get you to stability. Yeah. But you get to stability and there's a hunger for something deeper. Yeah. Well, right. Like, yeah. It's like Maslow's hierarchy. Once food, shelter and, you know, clothing yeah. is kind of taken care of. Yeah. Now what? Yeah. <laughs> What's um, our purpose? What's our meaning? For sure. Now, I love stoicism. Mm-hmm. Everything is done for me. My question is, doesn't stoicism just do the same in terms of giving us this base level of stability? Mm-hmm. But it, uh, Dante's Divine Comedy, again, yeah. Seneca, love Seneca. He's like my, I think he's one of the favorite. Seneca is like the baller of philosophy. Like, like every philosopher basically is ripping off Seneca somehow. Well, I talk about <laughs> no, no, no. I, we could yeah, yeah. we could flip that portion okay, in the yeah. book. Flip it. I want to. I want to hear it. No, flip no. It. But um, if you read Paul, mm-hmm. Saint Paul, mm-hmm. and Seneca in parallel, they're saying the same thing. Yeah. And so it's really hard to tell who's ripping off who. Sure. Um. But anyway, your points well taken. In terms of in terms of like a prose poet in history, Seneca yeah. is up there with Shakespeare, yeah. in my yeah. opinion. Uh. But anyway, in Dante's Divine Comedy, Dante puts. Seneca and purgatory. Mm-hmm. So it's this idea that stoicism can keep you from hell, but it can't get you to heaven. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not you believe in actual hell or actual heaven, the metaphor is the same. Is like, is it a limit of stoicism that it can return you to baseline, but take you no further? Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and that's something that I started to question the more and more I got, uh, as I was talking about earlier of, I started to lean towards Marcus Aurelius. Yeah. I love Marcus Aurelius. He's great. But there's, something missing there yeah. was for me mm-hmm. i'm not saying there is for everybody but it's like i became very familiar with epictetus marcus and seneca were the three mm-hmm. sort of big heads of stoicism and i still love them to this day and i'll go back to them over and over again uh but it, that can't be it <laughs> yeah like, i mean let me preface what i'm about to say with like i am nowhere near as deeply read as even all of this one of my favorite philosophers is bruce lee <laughs> be like water take what's useful yeah yeah hard the rest yeah you know yeah and that seems to be what you're doing in a lot of ways yeah i think that's right um and i, I want to be really careful here because like i absolutely love stoicism yeah. and it's mm-hmm. done so much good for me and, it, and there is just to be clear you can put it on blast if you want because <laughs> yeah. we also appreciate Listen, stoicism our tens of listeners <laughs> shut the <laughs> It, well, it's a joke it a good, because there's joke. literally yeah. almost there's thousands. thousands. Yeah. So, yeah. I know. I'm just. That's why I'm hitting. <laughs> it is it's a funny, funny joke. To me. It's, it's a, a funny joke. joke. <laughs> it's funny because it's not true. Um, like, I feel like there's a level of awareness. Sorry, I feel like there's a level of awareness so that can angry. come with. Yeah, stoicism is good and it's a great guideline, but some of these guys can be full of shit sometimes too. Like. Yeah. There's a healthy straddling the line of not being all the way in purgatory because then you're like we just said you're not in heaven and you're not in hell so you don't feel like you have to walk in well yeah so that us. that was the that was the the point that Dante is trying to make in his mm-hmm. Divine Comedy is that the reason he puts him in purgatory is because he's like um, this his soul will always be searching yeah there will always be something missing yeah um, and so like in the vicissitudes of life like when you're in the waves and you're getting slapped. Stoicism is super useful, mm-hmm. but Absolutely. then when you're feeling stable and comfortable, then it's now like, uh, there's got to be something yeah. more. Because every, at every turn, stoicism is kind of returning you to baseline. Yeah, yeah. So, so to your point, it has 
incredible utility. Yeah. And it can open you up to that place to receive and, and appreciate. But then within Stoicism, there's not a lot about how to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not a lot. I mean, there – I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of somebody. Sure. If I was a defender of stoicism, yeah. like in that avatar. As somebody I... went to law school. <laughs> For real. <laughs> um, and, and I think that their counter to that, well, there are a few different things that I want to say on this point, but I think their, their counter is that in living in accordance to nature, what you're mm-hmm. doing is in Eastern traditions, there's this idea of um, ataraxia, and Epicurus talks about who's a rival school school of the Stoics. But ataraxia is, is the joy you feel that results from a peace of mind. Mm-hmm. And so I think that what they would argue is that there is nothing, there is no joy to be found more than a peace of mind, mm-hmm. other than living in accordance with nature. Like that is the end. Mm-hmm. Sure. And in which I, I like if if. If you can't bring yourself to believe in God, then that is probably the best you can yeah. do, which mm-hmm. is okay. But it's yeah. like if you don't believe in God, you have to be able, you have to be willing to accept that consequence. Yeah, like yeah. that hunger and that hole is gonna be yeah. there when you get back to stable. Yeah, I I said I was. I reason I brought this because I didn't want to do this, but mm-hmm. I can't remember <laughs> who the lyric <laughs> the lyric is. You know, it's okay that if you're slightly off, it's it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the the music lyric is um, if there is no heaven, what is this hunger for? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, C.S. Lewis, again, this isn't exactly what he says, but it's, um, Jamie, uh, <laughs> <laughs> pull it up, Jamie. Uh, it's, it's, um, if I find myself with desires that this world cannot fulfill, the only logical conclusion is that I was not made for this world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's saying the same thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and so from the, sto- the staunch stoic defender's perspective, yeah. I mean, maybe who am I to say that uh, perfect joy isn't just an absence of pain? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know any of these answers for sure and for certain. I would argue that pretty much anybody would be qualified to take the opposite side. I mean, who is Marcus Aurelius? Well, yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I mean— All I'm saying is, like, don't downplay, you know, what you've done. You've got you've written a huge body of work cross-referencing— Worked hard on philosophies it. <laughs> and philosophers. So at this point— of the three of us in the room, at least you have the, the best, <laughs> the best body of knowledge to pull from. Um, well, I don't know about that, but I will say anecdotally why yeah. I've come to believe that's true is because of what I felt happened within me as I was even writing the mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. Nothing about stoicism is going to tell me to write that book. Right. Yeah. Nothing about stoicism. It like caught, will get me to like, follow my calling Mm -hmm. in the same way that the in this in the gospels the call of matthew when jesus points at him says like leave all this behind and follow me yeah yeah nothing nothing in the body of stoic work is going to tell me to do that to Mm -hmm. to to put my own sort of personal desires subordinate to some greater cause yeah that's the story of the good samaritan and like that's the story of um i mean throughout the bible so here's a I mean, that's even the hero's journey. 100%. Yeah. Um, so one of the uh, top jo- of – Joseph Campbell, if you weren't aware. I, I'm aware. <laughs> so that's, not to get ahead of ourselves, but the second book is – I started mm-hmm. writing, and it's Introduction to Mythology. Um, yeah. So this first one's Introduction to Philosophy. The second one's going to be an Introduction to Mythology. 
all sort of aimed at the same exact thing of that, whether it's actual living philosophers or the heroes of cultures, um, they all have something to say about what it means to live well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the second the second book, and it's going to be very heavily sort of Joseph Cam- Joseph Campbell, Carl Jung. Exciting. Nice. There'll be some yeah. Jordan Peterson in there too. I mean, um, at this point you have to. Yeah. You gotta get. You have in to. There. You, you can't. Have to. You can't you do it without. Not mention him. Yeah. yeah. Like, How um, can you not mention me in the book? <laughs> <laughs> what you've got to do is you have to. Okay, you wrote Jordan one. Peterson. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> that's a really bad. That was really bad. Wait, wait, get, get, give him a second. Man. <laughs> I don't even know if I can do it right now. So really what you've got to do is eat only meat for a long period of time. And that's all you can do is just meat and salt. And it's terrible. And I don't recommend it to anybody. <laughs> it's not bad. Not bad. Yeah. So not that's good. the second not book. I, it's not bad. I do want to plan this back in. So you started leaning more into the stoicism camp. Yeah. But this isn't a book about just stoicism and how that's the way to live. Ryan Holiday is already taking care of that. Yeah, he can right. fuck off. Like... <laughs> Sorry. If Ryan no, Holiday man, is mind, the like, modern model for stoicism, I think I'll pass. I think I'll pass. What brought you back to the camp of, well, where where does the Christian faith live in this? Like, how did, where does, how did you start to come back to, well, stoicism isn't enough? Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, it's a great question. I, I think that I've – the mentor that I had look at my book and edit my book – um, one of my favorite law professors from college, um, very, very faith filled. Mm-hmm. Um, and just many of the conversations I've had with him sort of brought it back top of mind to me. St. Thomas, why I went to law school is a, it's a Catholic school. I'm not Catholic. Okay. Um, but so f- the, the faith piece mm-hmm. of the law and morality and sort of compassion and caring for the less fortunate mm-hmm. was very much infused in our curriculum in a way that it isn't in a lot of law schools. Okay. And so it was in the back of my mind. I continued to go to church, um, sort of stuck around like a parasite, right? Yeah. <laughs> in the background. And I, I think just throughout that time, it kept working in the back of my conscious. I mean, you see this, I saw as in the book, um, St. Augustine, C.S. Lewis, mm-hmm. both have very similar stories. Yep. They had this reluctance their logic um, sort of kept them from fully committing to Christianity mm-hmm. up until a certain point. And then the logic led them to 100 percent, 100%. Um, and so they tell that same story. And I would say mine is a little bit the same. And what made it finally click for me um, was there's the story of Jacob wrestling with an angel. Mm-hmm. And before he wrestles with the angel, he talks of God as the God of Abraham. After he wrestles with the angel, it's his God. Mm-hmm. And so it was that same idea of, I think my hesitancy objection, as we mentioned earlier, was this, I had this weird sense that the God I was being sold um, by other people when I was growing up, whether it was my church, my then pastor, mm-hmm. or whoever, um, wasn't, there was just something that didn't feel right to me. It felt like, the God I was being told existed wasn't the God I, I was like feeling mm-hmm. like it wasn't God as I felt them. Yeah. Um, which is a really interesting phenomenon. And this is like, there's a guy, uh, I mean, there are a few philosophers I don't spend a ton of time on in the book, but like Meister Eckhart is one. He's 1200s. He's a Christian mystic. Um, and he basically makes the case that, uh, God is, it has to be unique. 
to mm-hmm. each of us. Each of us are going to experience God in a unique way because we are unique people. Yeah. We have created unique uniquely by him. 100 percent unique connection. Yeah. To him. So by definition, if that is true, we will never experience God in completely the same way. But you do need some sort of tomb of wisdom mm-hmm. to communicate generally the 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 spirit or figure of, mm-hmm. of corpus of of what it stands for and what it means even if it's not the whole picture yeah. and again meister eckhart and this guy named anthony Mello both say the same thing of there are mo- there are more things about god that we don't know than we do know yeah and so like the ability of our finite small minds to comprehend an infinite being if we believe in one is is impossible is an inability (laughs) yeah it's yeah yeah, exactly um and so for for me it was it stayed in the back of my head and just sort of worked on me worked on me and then when i came to the realization and honestly i would say there's some jordan peterson to thank here for this and he reintroduced me to this idea that if you only lead read the bible is literal you're leaving so much value on the table. Oh, yeah. So much of what it brings and the stories it tells, uh, the value is is in reading it metaphorically. Yeah. And so once I started to do that and I realized how amazing these stories are, it like came back to life yeah. Yeah. for me. And then I read it with fresh eyes. Mm-hmm. And as I read it with fresh eyes, then that's when having that, that foundation in stoicism at that point, I was like, Oh, St. Paul sounds exactly like Seneca. Marcus Aurelius might as well have written Ecclesiastes. Yeah. Like you just start to see how much overlap and then you're like, oh, Seneca and Jesus were contemporaries. When this was all happening, were your parents like, burn the heretic? Or were they super cool with like this part of your faith journey and your growth journey? I would say I didn't share it with them a ton until recently. Mm -hmm. Um, I sort of hid this. In the closet. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, 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 sure, yeah. Sure. yeah. Yes, mom and dad, I'm writing a book. It's, uh, <laughs> not about Jesus. This this book is dedicated to my parents who have yeah. not read it yet. Um, true. So, <laughs> do you guys know? Do you guys know who Bob Goff is? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So this journey, I would say, if I had to trace it back to, I went to a Dream Big conference that he does. Okay. Um, where it's sort of like a weekend long yeah. intensive thing. Was where, the one in California? Yeah, or? I went to San Diego. Okay, gotcha. Yep. One of the first ones then, yeah. too, because there's only yep. been like four of them or three yeah. like they're recent yeah, so. yeah yeah so i went to san diego and um you know it's sort of all about uh what are your biggest dreams what mm-hmm. would you do if you could do anything what are the things that are preventing you from getting there and this whole sort of infrastructure that you go through in three days but it honestly is just as much a therapy session as it is a dream thing because yeah. you start to go through where your limiting beliefs are coming from mm-hmm. and sort of the things that and a lot of stuff comes up when you do that and you yeah. realize you like hyperlink back to these memories from your childhood of like this one situation with your mom where mm-hmm. she was totally well-intentioned, but it stuck with you forever. Yeah. And like gave you some sort of put you to living on like some sort of loop Yep. up until you realize it happens. And then you're just like, <laughs> what? And you're like, wait, I've been living this way my whole yeah. life. Yeah. Like this has been, which this- makes me feel so bad for parents 100%. when they're trying to be loving and right. still terrifies me. I'm going to do it the same like, thing. Our parents did the, best they possibly yeah. could and they're amazing parents they still left like hundreds of shaman prints that they didn't mean to 100 percent, 100 percent. i could not agree more and that's where it's the same thing for me i i've gotten i'll finish the story and we'll get there but um so i went to that yeah. uh and identified pretty quickly how much i had always wanted to be a writer and loved writing yeah. and, and writing a book 
Um, there are a number of other things, including sort of like owning a gym, all of these things that have since happened. In yeah, the I mean, you own a gym too, so obviously. Yeah. yeah. Um, but after I went, knowing the value it provided me, the first thing I did was for Mother's Day, I bought my mom a spot in the Dream Work in the Dream Big Workshop. Nice. Because and then she went through it, and I was like, Mom, after you're done with this, I want to fly to where it is. And I want to spend a couple of days just like talking through some of the stuff with you. So that's that sort of self-examination that I went through. I knew she was going to go through at that same time. Mm-hmm. And so then I went and met her and we had this honest, candid conversations about like, hey, mom, like you probably don't remember this at all. But you did this thing when I was a kid, like that one time when we were in the parking lot and um, you called me the most selfish person, you know. And that I wouldn't do anything for anybody um, that like that stuck with me. Yeah. Um, or the time at the dinner table when um, I disagreed with I made some comment about us not being a perfect family because mm-hmm. um, you said something about our neighbors that um, like calling them out mm-hmm. for how they are raising their kids. Yeah. And then I made a comment and then I you started crying and dad basically told me to shut up. Yeah. And so then, then I, that created this environment where I felt like I could never disagree with you or, yeah. It, but then I had that open conversation with my mom mm-hmm. and that was our relationship since then has been unbelievable. That's awesome. Because now we, we like how we know that we're going to have disagreements on some sort of thing. And, and that was when I started to see my parents as human also yeah. of like, Oh, they're human. Yeah. Well, I mean the story of your mom in the car, like, yeah, that was traumatizing as a child, but you hear it now at a high level view, and it's like, oh, that was maybe a tired, one hundred slightly impatient moment 100%. that every human has every day. It just yes. happened to be between a mom and a son. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, yeah, I don't remember how we got on this, but that was like, that's when it flipped for me. Um, that's when I started having these conversations of where we disagreed. Yeah. So like, we don't have to talk about this right now, but but one recently is like i'm not sure if i don't think a physical hell exists yeah mm-hmm. is that I'm because that you don't want well. it to exist or because it's a good question you i love that we're going there Do, yeah. is it because you don't want it to exist or you believe that it doesn't exist um so i the my views on this were fundamentally shaped by a book called love wins by rob bell yeah mm-hmm. um You're rob, we're rob bell guys rob bell yeah, yeah 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 we used to argue about scripture, and then I sent right. him a Rob Bell book, and now we don't so much. Well, it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to a point, yeah. We, we, rather than, anyway, I had a very similar moment with you because of Rob Bell and reexamining how I look at the Bible and how I look at scripture rather than um, what it says at its face and actually looking at it as a document meant to be dissected, studied, interpreted, yeah. and appreciated for all the things that it is other than the, the words only. Yeah, um agree um i don't know i like to answer your question but there's also a book called the great divorce by c.s lewis i was just thinking of the great divorce yeah and that's that's fictional and Mm -hmm. c.s lewis goes to great pains um to introduce the book as uh not a commentary on his theological views Yeah. yeah but it has this picture of hell being if it like hell being a place that we put ourselves like hell's yeah. locked from the inside. Mm-hmm. And so then you start to like, I mean, just the, 
like how few times it's actually mentioned in the Bible and as like well as what the word probably actually meant at the time. Yeah, like the there's like Gehenna, which mm-hmm. is the place where they threw a bunch of trash yeah. in the valley that was near um, Jerusalem. And and so it's just like some of the things where um, it just is enough to make me question. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying yes or no, but I'm saying if I had to place my bet, I would place it on they're on not, no. Yeah, not like right now you're in a place where you're like, I don't – whereas I'm guessing your parents are probably more traditionalist and like, yeah, hell exists. Well, it, yeah. It, well, and so then, again, this goes back to – for my mom, um, seeing her, what she's worried about, because she believes in hell, yeah. all she cares about is that her kids don't go to hell. Like, and that motivates so many of Just give her our mom's number. Yeah, they, they would get along real. They well. would really enjoy. <laughs> so keep going. Yeah, but that I mean that's like it. Once I once I like came to that epiphany, I'm like, it just everything makes sense about, yeah. and I, I'm not condemning my mom at all it's no. like she, she could very she's much wiser than i am yeah and so who am i to sort of be the one that yeah. is the winning race the winning horse in this race but um it's just the evidence for me personally and the more and more i think about it is it's like um i could never answer the question or for me i think the sticking point for me is how I can't get myself to believe in a God who would condemn somebody to hell whose only crime is being born in the wrong place at the wrong time mm-hmm. to the wrong parents. That's yeah, my, I mean, that's what yeah, I wrestle with I, too. Yeah. yeah. Like that's, and I feel like that anyone who's spent any time around Christianity or church, that's like where it always ends is mm-hmm. like that piece of, okay, if he's just, and he's good and he's loving, these two things don't like just a blanket statement right. of those who don't accept him go to hell. Those who do go to heaven. It's a weird juxtaposition of like, yeah, it's I'm, a tough dichotomy to accept. Yeah. It is. And then that's why that's where like some of the Catholic church and then Dante, they mm-hmm. create this purgatory as a place for people that didn't have the opportunity to yeah. know God go yeah. to purgatory and they can earn their way to heaven. Yeah. Um, versus well, and the Catholics can selfishly go can see right. on their advocate yeah. on their behalf. So yeah. they feel good about themselves and their sins and they can walk on and have a good rest of their day. It's a whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, in sarcasm, <laughs> sarcasm, hopefully it came through. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. And so that's, that's just where I'm at with my current struggle. And I waffle back and forth on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but through writing the book, that's kind of the conclusion that mm-hmm. I'm at now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I'm sure it will change and it will continue yeah. to change. And I'm not married to any one belief, so I reserve my right to change. Change. Cool we all do it. <laughs> that is literally yeah. called being yeah. – yeah. We're part not politicians. We can yeah. we Part can of the necessity of stoicism, yeah. right? That base point of like you have these few things that you know is truth and then all the things you waffle on – you're you have you have a guideline yeah. of what you can come back. You can to. even pancake if you want. It's yeah, not a big deal. And so you, you did dream big. Have, I love the story about your mom, by the yeah. way. Our our mom has done so much, has gone through a lot of effort to connect with each of us. Yeah. On our yeah. faith journeys and on our as, and as we're yeah. adults as well. Exactly. So love hearing about other moms who are <laughs> loving. I love you, mom. Loving. If you're listening, uh, to us. mom. If you're listening, we love you. <laughs> um. So you go to Dream Big, and I asked this because I did the Dream Big uh, just online yeah. one because it's cheaper. I ain't a lawyer, and <laughs> and you could be. And two months later, I published my first book. So I mean, it works. So when in the process did you decide I'm writing a book, and this is what I'm writing it about? 
I didn't decide I was writing this book. Yeah. I tried to write – I started other books, probably like three other books nice. before this one, um, and then let life get in the way. Yeah. And just would try to write it, didn't know how to, how to do it, where to start. Mm-hmm. And then this one started actually last June. Okay. I joke – people are like, how long did it take you to write? And my standing joke is it took me a lifetime to write, uh-huh. but only – but six months of seriously. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but these ideas have all been percolating in the back yeah. of my head. You mentioned that whenever you wrote this book, you had to write it, that you felt compelled. And what was different about this one? That is a phenomenal question. Um, I, there was something about it that called to me. I don't know. I mean, it's the same reason I moved to Austin. Yeah. Yeah. Is it like I moved to Austin and Austin has this incredible way of helping you establish a relationship with the person you want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sort of putting you around people who won't let you settle for anything less than what you have within you. Yeah. So it sort of pulls that potential out of you. Yeah. And so it became much harder for me to live in Austin and have this thing stuck in me. Yeah. It became a source of anxiety a lot more Yeah. as I was here. And I sort of like, Knew I had to get it out. Yeah. yeah. L.A. is for the people who are going to write a book. Austin's for the people who are writing the book. <laughs> Facts. Facts. Was that, that, good, good, was yeah. that good? Was that's that good? I'll that tweet that later. I okay. lived in L.A. for six years. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I started writing it in June. And it was like, for me, the strangest thing, one of the strangest things about writing it is the way I approach it is chronological. Mm-hmm. So it starts in ancient Mesopotamia and ancient Egypt and goes through um from there and then it's like um ancient hebrew and then greek roman early christian and then from there it's middle middle ages middle dark ages renaissance enlightenment early modern politic so like revolutionary france and america and then the mo- modern mind is where yeah. it ends yeah c.s lewis being the the pillar of that correct part, right yep yeah. So did, when you thought chronological, like when you had the thought, I'm going to make this chronological, did you think of all those points in time or did you think Greeks and stuff, C.S. Lewis, oh shoot, what goes in the middle? No, uh, (laughs) this is where, um, I hate that you're this smart, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I hate how smart you are. You shouldn't be allowed to be. (laughs) You can't look like (laughs) you. And You're not allowed this to smart. be a Rome See, that question was me saying if I did be... this, that's what it would look like. I'd be like, right. there's there's Greeks and there was C.S. Lewis. And then you'd like draw a picture. Yeah, I'd be like, huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, <laughs> um, I'm a very visual person. I've always yeah. been that way. Law school taught me to be that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the things I studied is I would do flow charts and flow maps. So yeah. when you're tracing through case law and trying to figure out – yeah. My specialty has always been synthesis. Yeah. It's what I do as a lawyer on a day-to-day basis of as a corporate lawyer what I'm doing is form is is sending out material to specialists. They send it back to me. I digest it and package it in a way that can be comprehended by the company or the CEO yeah. that I'm advising. And so law school trained me to synthesize case law and then my job for 4 years has has taught me to synthesize sort of these complex areas of the law. And so that's always been what I'm best at. Yeah. Um, and so that just clicked to me once I started seeing, taking the 10,000 foot view mm-hmm. and, and mapping it all out and just looking, not reinventing the wheel, just mm-hmm. looking at how a few other people had done it. And then just trying to think about how I could make it fit my own interests. Mm-hmm. And then I just 
originally it started as a 30 day thing where I was like, okay, every day for 30 days, I am going to sit down in the morning and write for at least an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it didn't take very long for that hour. And my only rule was to follow my curiosity. Mm -hmm. So I would allow myself to go down the rabbit holes. Mm -hmm. The structure I had was, okay, this is, this is the philosopher I'm doing today after I created the map. Yeah. Like this is who I'm doing today. All today is, is just an exploration of anything I find about this person. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. And then when I went back through and edited, then that's when you kind of like, but just the first time through it was just brain dumping. Just one morning of complete exploration on Mm -hmm. everything from, and I had my base level of resources and I would always listen to a few podcasts on the person. Mm -hmm. Uh, Stanford encyclopedia of philosophy has an entry on pretty much everybody ever. There's a book called philosophy One Hundred One um, that I had. There is, uh, Hillsdale. If you guys are familiar with Hillsdale mm-hmm. college, they have a bunch of free courses online. They have one on philosophy. Um, and so it was like, I had these resources where I'm like, okay, you're like five or six things that I'm going to pull from to, to have my baseline of knowledge. And then whatever I can pull from these sources, that's what, that's, what's going to be. Yeah. I'm going to limit myself to that. Sure. Um, and so then I just slowly made progress throughout it. And then, a month turned into two months and then i was like this is a book that i actually love <laughs> yeah, like exactly oh i'm gonna finish book, it yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i was like i love the direction that this is going yeah um and then i was as i was moving through it the point i was gonna make a lot much earlier so i'll close the loop is um i found that oddly enough each philosopher that i was writing about had this strange way of being very applicable to the problem I was facing in my life. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not sure if that's a commentary on me and where I was at because it's often the case that when you go back and reread a book, different things stick out to you because you're in a different place. And so there is a a bias in terms of my focus and attention in terms of what was occupying my brain space and what would have necessarily stuck out by these philosophers. Yeah, absolutely. And so – as much as it tries or purports to be a book about philosophy, it's actually kind of just a biography. Yeah, sure. for about sure. About me. Yeah, <laughs> to, to be this point, you're working yeah. through yeah. some stuff. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Because, and that's the scariest thing about it. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest. Um, I keep finding excuses to delay the date yeah. that I'm publishing because mm-hmm. I am scared shitless. <laughs> yeah. I've never. There's more of me in that book, like more of my soul and who I am than anything I've ever done. Yeah. And like, but that's where it goes back earlier of um, when we were talking about sort of that, that ascension above baseline, Mm -hmm. like that, that writing through those things, it was both the hardest thing I've ever done, mm-hmm. but the most fulfilling thing I've ever done yeah. in my life. Mm-hmm. Like that, like the love I have for this is both agonizing mm-hmm. and like fills me with more joy than I've ever, like I won't be matched until I have a child of my own yeah. or like get married. Mm-hmm. I think that just makes you a writer. What I'm, I'm curious, what true? What is something that a philosopher in this book has said that will push you over the edge of like, but I am publishing it. Like, even though you're scared, even though it's it's super scary to put you out there. Yeah. And tell you're literally telling everyone, hey, I think this thing I made is worth your time and your money. 
but I'm not conceited, I promise. But also, please buy it. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, there's a lot of... Mo- so, but, yeah, yeah. like, what is a stoic-informed ideal that you cling to that's going to push you to publish it anyway? The Fool, for all his faults, has this also. He is always getting ready to live. Ooh. Peter Pan? <laughs> close. Okay. <laughs> Seneca. Seneca. Nice. God damn, um, so close. So the Proverbs analog to that is hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is the tree of life. Mm -hmm. I reframe that to uh, dreams deferred make the soul sick, but movement in their direction is the tree of life. Yeah. The Um, message. Yeah. Well, (laughs) but that was a dream big thing for me. That was a revelation I had there Mm -hmm. was how much I had been deferring my own dreams and how sick that was making me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I know that if I don't publish it, it will be a poison. It yeah. will, it, that, It'll make it will, you sick. It will yeah. make me physically yeah. sick. This like kind of comes back to, you know, the, the unique God, right? Yeah. He made you a unique way and you have this unique connect. This is what I believe. Yeah. You have a unique connection to him and he has put it in you to write and to publish this book. And like to literally not publish it or write it would be going against the very nature of what you've been made to be. Yes. That's what would make you sick. Yeah. Um, I, in... Um, the section on St. Augustine, when I focus on the, the journey of, um, he's like the father of existentialism, even yeah. though he's faith-based, he inspired a lot of atheists, yeah. existentialists like Albert Camus and, mm-hmm. um, some of those folks. Uh, but it, I mean, uh, God has inspired a lot of atheists. There's good. no atheist without a God. I, I was going to say, Just, I think he's inspired know. all of the atheists. Yeah, that was good, though. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that felt good. really profound, yeah. so I had to say. <laughs> That's a tweet, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I'll put yeah. it on a t-shirt for you, buddy. Thank yeah. you. No, yeah. don't. Don't put that. Um, yeah, but that's, I mean, in his own journey to authenticity in Confessions, um, he sort of talks about that exact thing. It's the parable of the talents. Yeah. Right? It's, it's this idea that... Um, to do anything other than cultivate the unique talent and gift that was planted in you and at, at birth is to betray your divine birthright. Yeah. It's to spit in the face of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is one thing that does bring me back to this, like, oh, fine, you know, <laughs> I'll publish it. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's very strange actually. And I suspect a lot of artists feel this way, but this is just my first go around mm-hmm. um, to both to, to have like one day feeling very good and proud and the next day feeling like it's absolute trash and garbage. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real thing. Yeah. Last night, this podcast, I was like, oh, no. Yeah. This isn't what I want it to be. We suck. See, it's it's. I didn't. That say, was way worse. I didn't. That wasn't even a joke. You I really was, felt that way. I was feeling feeling it because we're making Why something that we believe in. Yeah, I, I've been there. So no, that's a real thing. Yeah. When, when you make yeah. something that you're proud of, it's like really scary to share it. Well, what, is, what is the big fear with you? That people won't like it. That it won't sell. That you're gonna let somebody down. <clears throat> I've really been struggling with this question too. I yeah. I went to um so we brought our sauna to this like 48-hour men's retreat that the Movement Empower Brotherhood did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it ended at an an on it workout and we split out in these small groups and the question was what do you need to celebrate about your life that you haven't been celebrating? Mm-hmm. And I instantly knew the answer is it's like this book. Mm-hmm. Um but I can't there's something there for me that i can't bring myself 
I keep the story that I keep the voice in my head keeps being like, Oh, like, well, you just, you know, you, you wrote it for you anyway. So like, who cares if anybody reads it and Mm -hmm. like, it doesn't even matter. Like you publish it, like nobody's going to buy it. And like, so like set your expectations. Yeah. The defense is to act like you don't care. 100%. Right. 100%. We all know it's bullshit. (laughs) I, yeah. Like I said, this is, this is, it's because I feel like if people don't like it, it is the truest thing representation of me. Mm-hmm. And so what they're actually not liking is me. Yeah. yeah. Mountain out that. of a mo- molehill out of a mountain. Mountain out of a molehill. Yeah. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're right back there. We are right back there. <laughs> yeah. Right back to that source. Um, and so that's at the end of the day, that's what I'm the most scared about. And it's like, it can always be better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so even moving through in final edits, uh, every time I go through it, no matter how many times I go through it, there's always going to be another another thing that I can change, another mistake yeah. I find. But it's like each mistake you I find, I'm like, to trash. Yeah. Trash. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but that's where I just, I have to, I don't know. I keep pulling myself out of, out of, like, toggle back and forth. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, at this point, you have gone through the, I mean, the history of philosophy pretty much. Mm-hmm. And so coming out the other side with, with this, this education and reexamining your life, through all of these lenses, what do you now tell yourself about in order to get this published? Hmm. I mean, because you've now given you you have in front of you a, a thousand word, a one hundred thousand word framework. Yeah. To living, you know, your fullest a life. Full life. Yeah. So I think the thing I I come to is it's a concept I talk about with Aristotle. Mm-hmm. Aristotle has this di- this idea of everything having a telos mm-hmm. and a thing that's uniquely designed to do. And so um, he sort of paints this picture of like for, for him, he kind of stops at uh, he's also operating in a period when like it's very low resolution. So like people they're like trying this <laughs> for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, hey, didn't somebody um, bury themselves in cow shit and die? That was one of the Stoics. That was one of the Stoics. Yeah. 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 It was yeah. one of the Stoics. But yeah, that's like, we're talking low res, but like, there's not <laughs> yeah. a lot of. Yeah, but like, somebody had to do yeah, it. Yeah, somebody right? had to do yeah. it. Somebody had to start. Somebody had to try. Yeah. 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 And Aristotle's yeah. like, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was fantastic. Yeah. But so, like, he, he kind of stops at what he says is um, a human telos is reason. Our ability and capacity to reason is what distinguish us, distinguishes, distinguishes us from animals. Mm-hmm. So that's what he says. That's the thing that we as human beings were uniquely designed to do. He doesn't take it a step further, which is then when you start talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Well, you can be, you must be. If you're a writer, you must paint. Or a writer must write. If you're a writer, you must now paint. Yeah, but it's a, a writer must write, a painter must paint. Because if you deliberately plan to be less than you're capable of being, I, I tell you that uh, you're going to live a miserable life. Yeah. And so one of the points I make in the book is like – I. I take that idea, phenomenal idea that I love from Aristotle and ask this the follow-up question of what is it that you as a human being were uniquely designed to do? The thing that all of experience and your ancestry mm-hmm. and your gifts and your interests, what are what is the thing that all of those things come together to conspire to make you uniquely equipped to do? Maybe that's telling a story that's already been told in a different way. Mm-hmm. It could be as simple as that. Just because somebody else is doing it doesn't mean you can't be a remix and do it in a unique way and reach unique ears. And so what I what I bring to bear when I get to this spot is this idea that um, – and this, this has uh, flavors of like Jordan Peterson in it too. I mean there are a lot of people that talk about this. But this idea that 
you have this unique thing inside of you, this unique light. I love the concept of light. Everybody loves light, but like if I had to say it in the cheesiest way possible, my aim is to be an emissary of the light. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, this idea that you have this unique light inside of you. And if you don't let it out, the universe will forever be darker because of it. It mm-hmm. will forever be darker than it needs to be. More people will suffer than need to suffer. Like there will be a sense of um, loss. Yeah. Like there will be a tear forever in the universe that exists mm-hmm. directly because you did not do the thing that only you could do. Mm-hmm. And so that is the kick in the ass for me. That's like, Oh no. Oh, I, I can't. I... <laughs> you sounded so Minnesota oh, no. just now. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. <laughs> oh jeepers. Um, I got to publish this book. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that one does it for me. Yeah. That one, that one is, um, that thought, the idea that, mm. that there is somebody that could benefit from it. One person. Yeah. And, and, and the thing about it is, it's like all it takes is one person Yeah. to like, who knows what that person is going to do yeah. with their life. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's that that ripple effect, that domino effect, compound interest of mm. like reverberations through yeah. all of eternity, where it's like, <laughs> I don't, I can't die with that on my, yeah. like, I can't yeah. die with my dream. It's a lot of pressure in my grave. It's a lot of pressure <laughs> yeah. there. But that's where that's where it's the yeah. the Alexander Hamilton to go back to the beginning of like mm. writing like I'm running out of time. It mm-hmm. for me that means two things. One, it's I mean very stoic concept of right. memento mori, remember death. Um, and I have my own sort of personal story in that context, but, um, it's, it's not only sort of the remembering death component, but I have in my own family history, again, um, to go back to familiar history in my genealogy of grandparents who have lost their minds before they lost their bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, so I have sort of neurodegenerative diseases in my family lineage and I played football so I had my fair share of concussions, which doesn't do wonders for the brain. Yeah. Um, and so, <laughs> so they say. Uh, yeah. So speculation. Say. It's kind of a QAnon yeah. thing, actually. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. I, yeah. I think I that's I can't right. remember yeah. my childhood, but like, eh. uh, whatever. <laughs> um, so I just, I just have become increasingly worried about um, even, yes, I physically could die at any point. But also, who's to say, Marcus Reilly makes this point of meditations. Of like, who's to say that your mind isn't going to go way before your body does? Yeah. Like, you don't know when that's going to come. All it takes is a one car accident, a, a, a random hit in the head with a weight. Yeah. Like, any any of those things could be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I nobody knows what was going on in here. Yeah. Nobody knows. But if as soon as that, this is published and out into the universe, then like – Everybody that's ever known me, mm-hmm. all I have to do is pick that up and read it. Yeah. And it's, it's, you'll be more familiar with me than mm-hmm. people that have known me my whole life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's why we wanted to have you on the show so you could talk about it and y'all can go purchase yeah. the book when it comes out. What's intro to philosophy. What's intro to philosophy, right? Uh, to philosophy. This way to the stars. This way to the stars. An introduction to philosophy. Heck I'll, yeah. I'll read. Should we read a portion? Yeah, let's, let's read, read a portion, portion, dude. Okay. Well, sorry. Um, all right. We'll go. I'm totally going to license this. <laughs> uh, all right. Do you want the – we can go um, the the one behind the title or – actually, if there was one passage that 
you wanted, wanted to leave people with. Yeah. We want that passage. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's the one we want. Did that just turn off? I heard a beep beep. Let's see. Yeah, give it a shot. Sure. Yeah. I'll think about that. We'll edit this part we'll out. Let, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is Noah, a great Noah, interview, Noah by bringing the way. this terrible camera that barely works. <laughs> Did it turn off? Still going? Let's take this little opportunity to shout out to our official sponsor, Manscaped. Manscaped, the lawnmower 4.0. There's never been a gentler vibration that cuts the hair off your balls. Manscaped. Go to manscaped.com right now or after the show. Or, again, press pause. Go to manscaped.com. Get yourself a lawnmower 4.0 and a plethora of other ball-soothing products. Some soothe for the thunder down under. Using code TEXISH, T-E-X-I-S-H, all capitals T-E-X-I-S-H. For how much, Seth? 20% off. That is 20% off to get the inches back that you've been missing. All you have to do is lose everything to gain up to an inch. I They really need We trademarked that. I, that's my tagline. Hey, one. Manscaped, that one's ours. Say it one more time. <laughs> All you got to do is lose everything to gain up to an inch. Lose everything for just 20% off using code TEXISH. That is T-E-X-I-S-H at manscaped.com. 20% off store-wide. Free worldwide shipping. 20% off everything in the store. We're specifically excited about the Weed Whacker as well. Weed Whacker is pretty great. You can use it on your nose. Your nose, your ears. Your nipples. Your nipples if you want. Your areolas. Any type of orifice that you feel is above the belt and needs a little bit of uh, attention. Do you have roommates and want to prank them? Shave your taint with it and then give it to them and say, look at this gift I got you for 20% off at manscaped.com using code TEXISH. That is T-E-X-I-S-H. 20% off at manscaped.com using code TEXISH. T-E-X-I-S-H. Manscaped. Best in men's below the boat grooming. Manscaped, the innovators of men's grooming. And that's how you do a mid-roll. Um, okay, I'm just going to read a... Uh, I'll try to make it short. No, hey, what for real, take your time. For real, like, take your time. Yeah, so this, this goes back to what we were talking about earlier of the impetus that made me write the book in the first place. Seneca and Proverbs, the yeah. hope deferred makes the heart sick. So this is from the section of my book. The way I've structured it, just a note on structure quick. Um, so each philosopher that I do, I pick two or three of their most influential ideas, <laughs> sort of talk about those. And then at the end of each section, I offer what I call a lesson from the guide. Yeah. This is a riff off of Dante's Dark Forest. Mm -hmm. Each of these philosophers I talk about, I, I make the case that each of them is a guide on the path to the stars. Yeah. Each of them is a guide out of the Dark Forest. Nice. So at the end of each guide, I offer what I hope to be a practical application of ancient wisdom. Okay. So that it's not all history. It's mm -hmm. not all what they said. It's also how could this benefit you mm -hmm. here now yeah. today? Mm -hmm. um, so this one comes from the, the lesson from Seneca. Um, and I'll just read a little bit of it. As I look at the lessons of Seneca sprinkled throughout his letters to Lucilius, I'm reminded of just how much Seneca's letters changed the trajectory of my own life. I can hear his whisper in my ear almost as clear now as I did then. When will the life you long for build itself? Over and over again, Seneca includes reminders of our unfortunate human tendency to put off life, pure life, in the interest of comfort. The fool, Seneca tells us, with all his other faults, has this also. He is always getting ready to live. Proverbs 13, 12 in the Bible says something just like it. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desire fulfilled is a tree of life. 
Now, I recognize the irony of using Proverbs, where you, Proverbs' use of the word desire in light of the last section's discussion of how I, how I discuss desire. Uh, desire is defeating for happiness. But the type of desire that Proverbs is talking about here is the deep and internal desire of the soul trying to be satisfied with itself, not the material desires of the world. The message that both Seneca and Proverbs is trying to deliver is about our nature, and it is the same. It is an all-too-human exercise to go through life telling ourselves that life is something to be lived someday, just not today. No, today is reserved for continuing on the path of preserving the status quo, staying in jobs or relationships we dislike, stuck on infinite scroll mode on our Netflix and our phones, doing anything we can to distract ourselves from the fact that our heart is growing sick and our spirit restless. All because we defer our dreams one day at a time, only to find there's forever and tomorrow. And that while we are postponing, life speeds by, yet people who live for tomorrow never get there. And then there's, it continues on. Um, and uh, so then I, then, I, then I talk about sort of um, Alan Watts has this thing about uh, this long monologue about how um, when you keep deferring life, but you're supposed to sing and dance all the way. Yeah. So it's, it's like not hearing the music while it's playing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then I come back to um, two years, two years ago, I was on this trajectory that Watts pointed out, deferring my life. I had everything I'd ever strived for, a job as a corporate attorney at a 300 person firm, making more money than I ever dreamed and billing more hours than all but a few people. I was living in a beautiful downtown Minneapolis apartment with more amenities than a hotel and then dating a person I thought I would spend the rest of my life with. A long way from the kid whose parents were so poor that at one point they were practically paid to live in an income-based unit. Put simply, if there was ever somebody in the world who had less reason to be unhappy, it was me. But the fact remained. Every time work subsided long enough for me to hear the signal of my soul, it cried out in desperation, an existential angst tearing me in two, which I, like any good associate, was always quick to bury under a pile of papers, trying to distract, my, distract myself from the fact that I knew in my heart of hearts where the path I was on led, a slow and steady march to gain the whole world but lose my soul. But still, I found myself rationalizing why I could not yet live the life I wanted, why I couldn't be a writer, couldn't travel the world, couldn't own a gym, couldn't start a podcast, couldn't move to Texas. I was complicit in creating the conditions I said I didn't want, saying things like, the timing's just not right, or I'll do it when things slow down, telling myself that I will eventually write that book, own that gym, take that time off, or spend more time with family. Just not today. And as I went along day after day, I found that there's forever and tomorrow, that someday, to paraphrase, to paraphrase Tim Ferriss, is a disease that takes our dreams with us to a grave, that I, like Seneca's fool, was always getting ready to live. And all the while, as I continued down this path of dream deferring, I became like the frog who doesn't know he's being boiled until it's too late. Each day of deferral costing another piece of my soul, making me smaller than I was meant to be, less than. But when we find ourselves living exclusively for tomorrow, we one day find that we have siphoned the entirety of ourself away until we're nothing more than a, sh a hollow shell just getting by, stuck in the groove of life we'd rather not live, dumbfounded as to how we got there, and envying anyone who dares to do what we desperately wish we had the courage to do ourselves. Eventually, however, there is a, there is a reckoning. There is always a reckoning. And mine came in the form of a paralyzing panic attack on the heels of a bad breakup. I'd never experienced a panic attack before, but my heart was pounding through my chest, and all I could do was lay down on my couch and stare at the ceiling, paralyzed. I couldn't move. 
I'm not sure exactly how long it lasted, but it was at least an hour. My life was killing me, and something had to change. Now you live in Austin. You've written a book. You've written the book. You're about to publish the book. You own the gym. You own another business. You are about to quit your job as a corporate lawyer. I you did already in did. Yeah. Nice. So Back literally everything you weren't doing, you knew you needed to do. You are now doing. Yeah, but I mean, I think I selectively chose the things. I really <laughs> when I so, wrote the what book. are you not doing yet that you are gonna do soon? Ah, oh, that is a fantastic question, my friend. Um, Aside from publishing, what do you keep saying? The time's not right. Uh, getting back into the dating world. I knew it was dating. I, I, I was, I was going to make a joke about dating, but it's look, man, to say. No, I understand why you're hesitant because when you look like Noah looks, as soon as you open the floodgates, you just like the just, whole, you drown. Yeah. You're just going to Especially drown. in this city. Right. Oh no. Um, on a real note though. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I mean, I mentioned the the last relationship at the end of that passage I was talking about. Um, yeah. and it, and it, that relationship was a validation of the mountain out of a molehill. This goes back to a long history. Yeah. Sure. Um, but it was, uh, it sort of um, rewounded me in that yeah. way. And then the hardest part for me now, and this is going to sound conceited, um, I don't know how to make it not sound any other way. And like, but. To see the progress I've made in the last three years, yeah, in terms of everything I've done and been able to accomplish in the last three years, when I wasn't distracted by that, when I sort of like, cl- like put the blinders on, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now it makes me so hesitant. Yeah, to like I, I just know. The idea of how. Um, it's okay. This it's idea okay that to like recognize. love is distracting. Yeah, yeah, but it's okay to recognize that being in a relationship takes effort time and energy like it and prioritization and and prioritization so like it's no secret that if you end up in a relationship something will have to go away that like some selfish pursuits will have to shift and if they don't the relationship is gonna gonna suck (laughs) well it's gonna suffer (laughs) and it's gonna suck but but yeah and and that's where uh, um, is this why I wanted to go to church on Sunday? It was maybe fun. <laughs> it, I mean, it is putting myself in the like, hey, environment. Yeah, there, yeah. yeah <laughs> of, of like, where would the person I want to meet be? Yeah, yeah. Um, for sure. That's one of them, right? Yeah. Um, no, but but where I come to, and what is finally, what's like the thing that, after reading this book, speaking of, all they talk about is like, there is a love that I will never have unless I give it a chance. Yeah, that's true. It's the same thing with like having a child. I just think that there are gradients of life you can only experience in that relationship. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's ultimately why, like I would say of the things in my life that I want to do, being a dad is up there. Oh yeah. The highest. Yeah. yeah. And I would say most of my insecurities are centered around the idea of, me telling the story to myself that I will be a bad father. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To the extent something that somebody says to me or I see myself do something that um, convicts me of potentially being a bad father in the future, mm-hmm. that rips me. That is the hardest thing for me. Yeah, it's horrifying. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. What did you I guys like? I like. I feel like I talked way too well, much. You're well, you're interviewing you. you. <laughs> so like, I mean, we had you on our podcast. Yeah, you we came into our studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you that's consented. Right. That's. And by, hey, by the way, thank you for being. Yeah, thank you. Vulnerable and the time. time. Yeah. I can't sure. wait to have my own copy of that stack Let of me, papers. <laughs> I am. I'm. St- I'm. I'm not hung up on, but I'm curious about this because I I listened to the passage you read and I I agree wholeheartedly with yeah. the, the sentiment of you can't put everything you that your soul wants on hold yeah like I, I agree with that how do you differentiate between truly it not being the right time and you you have now gone from making sure that you're not going to self-destruct when you start doing this thing that you want to do and yeah. and like just putting it off because you're scared um uh, if I if I'm following the question correctly, mm-hmm. I I think that was a long question. I'm sorry about that. No, 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 yeah. it's okay. Um, I think I got what what you're getting at. How do you know that you're not putting off something because you're scared or because it actually is the right time? Um. So you're are you saying that how do you know you're not? It's not legitimate. Le- you're not legitimately putting off versus right making an excuse. Yeah. How do you, repetition repetition so i think that's just like a, a witnessing yourself yeah. um and I, I talk about this in the book a little bit of like for me the indicator was in virtually every conversation i was having with people about what i wanted to do mm-hmm. i was saying the same exact things and you just weren't mm-hmm. doing it and i just there was no reason i couldn't do them yeah especially as somebody that wasn't in a relationship didn't have kids like yeah. i understand like there are other considerations that i have the privilege of not having to consider at this stage of my yeah. life that I will yeah, eventually. At some point. And if you don't mind, and your income level is a lawyer. 100%. Right. 100%. Yeah. So sure. that that is, yeah, it created that sort of taking care of that baseline on Maslow's hierarchy of needs yeah. to allow me to move up a little bit. And yeah. not, I understand that not everybody has the privilege of that. That's true. Which is, which is tricky I, and yeah. something I struggled with even in my book of talking and like in the telos stuff we were talking about when it's self-actualization there's a certain element of privilege to that because you have to be in a certain space. You have to have a certain things taken care of. Um, but that doesn't mean those of us that are in that situation, we're doing a disservice to those who have less if we're not making the most of what we can make the most of yeah. Yeah. to then serve those people. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so it's, it's a tricky thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, yeah. And, and a, another tricky thing, to be honest, is if you look at this table of contents, uh, it's pretty homogeneous. It's a bunch of dudes. Yeah. Um. Some in the Middle East. Um, and they're all white. Yeah. What What am I supposed to do about that? Like, it's very hard. Yeah. And and it's something that like um. I struggle with even now of like, thinking through it yeah. of like like Simone Simone Vey is a a French philosopher female who is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um. I wanted to include her so bad, but it just didn't fit. Like she yeah. just her, she just didn't have quite enough for me to talk about. And I mentioned her in it, yeah. mm-hmm. but she doesn't have her own section. And so there's a piece of me that's like, well, do I include her just so I can say I have one female in here? Yeah. Or do I not like, do I be more I mean, genuine? That, that would be kind of like, right. that would be kind of like appointing a Supreme court justice just because they're black and female. That's why I didn't include her. Cause not, felt, not that anyone's felt, doing that, but, it, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's Married. why. That's what ultimately why I didn't. Why I didn't yeah. include her is because it felt. Yeah. When you've already alluded to the fact that you are writing another book, my yeah. my guess is that you will not stop at two. 
No, I already have my guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, there's a series. I already so. have like five. <laughs> Let's go. So yeah. yeah, I I hear you, and that's that's a valid concern in in today's age. But if you're being authentic and genuine, I mean, like, other than just voicing that it's a concern, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah. Plus, like, I you wrote this book with a genuine through line and an yeah. idea of what you wanted to do. You didn't come to the table with like, all right, time to exclude females yeah. from this book. Yeah. If three people have a qualm with that and make their own decisions, you can't it's control a good that. Thing. It means at least three people read it. Yeah. <laughs> so. True. No, but I mean, that's where it's like, yeah. I, if somebody has a qualm with it, it's like, I know I have that qualm with it myself. So like, join the club. Join the club. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Join. Help yeah. me write the yeah. next one. Like, yeah. you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. And um, what is it? A. Uh, it's a hard shift here, but I like. This book is the centerpiece of this interview, but yeah. you have done more than write a book, and that's an accomplishment on itself in, in and it of itself. I'm curious about what is it like to go to our gym, but also own your own gym. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, well, my gym's in Minneapolis. Yeah, uh, which we are not there. <laughs> we are right. not there. We are in Austin, Texas. Different locations. You work remotely. <laughs> Facts. I gym own remotely. <laughs> um. Yeah, so when I moved here a little over a year ago and stepped away from the Minneapolis gym, um, the reason I was so attracted to squash, the gym we go here to here in Austin, is it's kind of like a sister gym. Really? Like it's it's the same vibe. Yeah. Uh, lifting. We have mobile. We have saunas and yeah. cold tubs and. So now you're suing Squatch for <laughs> for IP copyright infringement. Copyright infringement. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, uh, not. <laughs> not yet. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, but no, it was. I honestly was. It's been amazing. I've become really good friends with Jason. Yeah. Um, and we were sort of collabing on some things, and fingers crossed, I will become an owner of Squatch soon. Let's go. Um, okay. Hopefully, by the time that this is released, right. Let's uh, go. Let me know when that happens. I have complaints. For sure. <laughs> For sure. Absolutely. First complaint: there is not a complaint box. <laughs> Second complaint: there's no pens for At the, the complaint, complaint box. <laughs> Yeah, complain. no, all People valid. keep stealing the pins that don't <laughs> from, the complaint, from the complaint box. Oh, uh, yeah, that's funny. Um, no, but I mean, I, there was never a tension yeah. between the two. It very much felt synergistic. I mean, there are a lot of things that Jason and Squatch was doing down here that I was able to relay back to my team in yeah. Minneapolis and say, hey, I think that we should maybe think about switching to this thing, yeah. XYZ, and then similarly be able to go to Jason and say, Hey, have you ever thought about, I mean, cause I love Jason. It's his yeah. first gym. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so he's been super receptive, mm-hmm. um, to sort of talking about all this stuff. And so it's, it's turned out to be very beneficial for both parties. I think, um, I mean, that's the best case scenario. Always a hundred percent. And I'm like, I'm super stoked on your mobile sauna. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. When did that, that, that come so about cool. too? Cause I think that's such, I know it's you and CJ. So there's yeah. a business partner that's not here to also talk about it. Right. Shouts out CJ. He, he um, wants to have you guys on his podcast. We're, we, we're it's scheduling. in the works. Uh, let's, yeah. let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so, but where did, let's go, eh? Hey, here we go. Let's go. <laughs> when, uh, How badly do you miss ice fishing? That's the real question. Yes. That's what I never iced about. fished. <gasps> Sins. Yeah. How dare you. I miss carving chunks of, of ice out of a frozen lake and, and sitting in the frozen lake. Yeah. That sounds that, horrible. That, would be, that, that sounds be absolutely move. awful. That would be the move. Um, so this is a, this gets to my theory that, um, my more mystical pieces of myself, um, if 
I believe in God. Mm-hmm. It's. I'll just turn off again. I don't know why it's doing that. We're going to take this moment before we talk about God a little bit more to talk about the male genitals, a gift from God himself. He gave you your very own purse to hold your jewels. He gave you your very own package to have some fun with it. And there's more ways than one to have fun with it, Seth. You know what one way is? What's one way, Gunner? By buying a lawnmower 4.0 from Manscaped using 20% off code TEXISH at manscaped.com to shave your pubic hair into fun designs. Back to you, Seth. <laughs> Thanks, Gunner. <laughs> <laughs> use code, use code TEXISH, T-E-X-I-S-H, for 20% off plus free shipping at anything at the Manscaped store at manscaped.com. Manscaped.com. You believe in God. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. So the 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 ice. Um, I believe, I'm very much a believer that God exists on the edges of our experience. Yeah. And that's where you encounter him mm-hmm. is sort of on the boundary between known yeah. and unknown. And I think that holds true for nature. Yeah. The extremes of nature, I think, are where we experience the extremes of God. So mm-hmm. it's like the gradients of God. So the, yeah. that cold temperature I think there is a closeness to God that mm-hmm. happens there that cannot be happen yeah. that cannot happen in the lukewarm sure. waters of mm-hmm. life. Yeah. And so that's why it's been become so meaningful to mm-hmm. me is because I feel like I am closer to source yeah. in the ice water. Mm-hmm. Do you, why do you think that is? Cuz I agree with you based on my own experiences with run, running completely yeah. depleted. Yeah. And for me, it has formed this belief that anything we can do that basically depletes us of the ability to have room for pretense as far as any energy or ability I have to convince myself that I'm God and I'm in control. Once you shuck that, that's when you really have some intense dialogue with God and what he has to say to you. Like, I believe that for sure. And I think a lot of people have found their own version of that. Cause like, even if it's not, you know, we're talking about God as yeah. like the Christian God. There's a dude at Squatch right now playing LSD techno music that I don't want to listen to, but he does the sauna because it makes him feel close to God. His source energy. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, you hit it nail on the head that my favorite philosopher who I didn't know before I, I started to ask you <laughs> before I wrote the book, I yeah. didn't even know he existed. Mm-hmm. Is this guy named Boethius. And he, he lived on the edge of the the fall of the Roman Empire and the Middle Ages. Okay. Um, and he – it's so good. Uh, he, <laughs> it's, like, tragic how good it is. <laughs> it that, is. That, that, like, that sigh. Oh. I just – I love him. I, I edited his section today, and it's just – I tried to approach that section as a meditation of sorts. Yeah. Because he wrote this – his most famous book is called The Consolation of Philosophy. And the quick premise – of it is he was on the Roman Senate, um, had a privileged upbringing, got on the Roman Senate, and then he uh, basically stood up to the other Senate members um, because there was some fishy stuff going on. They were going to allow some sort of testimony to convict an innocent guy, and he was like, no, mm-hmm. you're not doing this. And for that, uh, Theodoric, the uh, Ostrogoth, was the name of the leader at the time and like many leaders sort of Damocles causes them to become increasingly paranoid that people are conspiring to remove them from the throne and so what they do is anybody that's a threat to their power they throw them in jail and condemn them to death the same thing happened to Boethius <laughs> yeah very standard, very standard for the from the tyrant's playbook yeah, yeah, like yeah. 101 classic 101 stuff. well executed um, <laughs> so that ha- same thing happened to Boethius yeah. uh, this Theodoric started to see him as a threat to his power and so 
condemned him to death and throw him, threw him in a prison. And this is at the height of Boethius's fortune. He had everything. He was very powerful, status, all that stuff. So he's in jail. While he's in jail, what to do in jail but write a book. So he writes a book called The Constellation of Philosophy. And the whole thing is this fictional tale as if Lady Philosophy walks through the prison cell and starts to counsel him back to health. Mm -hmm. So it starts out, he's sort of lamenting his situation that he's lost all of his worth, like earthly possessions and goods. And um, he's in a saddened state. And then Lady, Lady Philosophy comes through the door. And then the whole rest of the book is her sort of um, bringing to bear all of the best that that Greek and early Christian thinking have. She embodies that wisdom um, and sort of uses that to tell him lessons to bring him back to himself. Okay. And what she effectively does through the whole, I'd say the first 75% of the book, is it's all about a stripping of everything that isn't him. Mm -hmm. And so what she's saying is, listen, what what you're, why you're in this situation is because you were attached to things that weren't even you and weren't yours to begin with. Yeah. And like that. So that's exactly what you're talking about of like, there is this in order, in order to see ourselves, to see our soul and to see the reflection of God in ourselves, we have to completely remove yep, everything. everything that isn't us. Yeah. yeah. All of all, everything that thinks that we can be God, everything yeah. that, that all of the shimmer and shine of the earthly pleasures, mm -hmm. our attachment to all of those things yeah. has to be gone. And it's just way harder to do that when you're like sitting on the couch. Exactly. <laughs> when you're like, when you're in ice and you're freezing, all you care about is being warm. Yep. You're not thinking about how awesome you are. You're not thinking about <laughs> what you have. You're not thinking about, you know, anything in the world. All you care about is just like being warm. Yeah. And so what you find there is Seneca would say um, it, what you find there is, how could you stand if not propped up by the divine? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's why I think you encounter God in those situations yeah. is because it is that stripping mm -hmm. of everything of the world. Yeah. Um, I definitely agree that you encounter those, those feelings and that, that energy and that God in those places more often. Is there anything that you do now or that you think you can do or that anybody can do to encounter God in day-to-day -day life in the mundane? In the mundane. Hmm. So that's that's a very interesting uh, way to question. phrase it. That's why I phrase it that way. Yeah. <laughs> in a, so um, I have a section in the book uh, at the end of Saint Augustine's that is to see God in a grain of sand. That's mm -hmm. the lesson from Saint Augustine. Um, or is it? It might be actually Thomas Aquinas. I might have just flipped those two. But mm -hmm. um, anyway, uh, this idea that uh, of like Meister Eckhart, the Christian mystic mystic I was talking about earlier says the same thing of um and there there's a bunch of mythology on it, like a bunch of mythological writers that mm -hmm. talk about this too of it i think there are two ways to view the world one as if everything is a reflection of god and one is if nothing is mm -hmm. and so it's like that recognition to me that like everything we see in this room started at a moment of god saying in my view god saying let there be light and then that Doppler effect tells us that the universe is just continually expanding. So like, all, like tracing everything back to that's original origin. Every all, there's a um, poetry book by uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he um, it's titled "All You See Here Is God." Mm -hmm. So it's like sitting in this room. When I was in Utah, when I was in Colorado, it's the same thing. I was just sitting there, and it's just like I, that book title is stuck in my head. It's just like all you see here mm -hmm. is God yeah. at any given moment in your day. All you see, yeah, is God. Literally everything. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, and so for me, that's, that's been a huge one. Um, and like, well, I'll be like walking to squatch and, it, and it's, it's one of those things where yes, of course I forget it mm-hmm. yeah. often. Yeah. Why well, wouldn't you? Yeah. I, much more than I remember it. I forget it. If it was easy to remember these things, this, you know, philosophy wouldn't matter. Yeah. If it was easy like, to remember like, Ryan nobody, holiday, nobody wouldn't it be rich. <laughs> yeah. There's a, um, there's a quote that, uh, I think it was Colin Powell that said it, um, but it, it's we need to be reminded more often than we need to be told, mm-hmm. um, and it's so true in my own life, and that's why like in in meditations, um, Marcus talks about the soul being died by thoughts, and and he repeats himself often, and a lot of people use that as a criticism of the book, but it's intentional mm-hmm. because it's much like dying a shirt or anything else; it needs to be constantly dipped over and over yeah. and over again. And mm-hmm. that character is carved slowly. It's not carved all at once. The yeah. tree is not chopped with one mm-hmm. chop. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one I was looking for another word for no, chop. Well, I mean, even like, like, like yeah, yeah. so uh, Marcus Aurelius repeating himself in the Ju- in Jewish tradition, reading scripture, you read the same passage three times. Like yeah. the traditional way to actually engage with God's word is to read it three times. Yeah. Because reading it once isn't enough to actually remember it. Um, that's, I mean, yeah, just, I I feel like every culture has found their own way to realize like, Oh, humans are way more forgetful than we are. Well, even in songs, like you have your chorus, which is the main part and they repeat it several times and ostensibly it's the, like the, the body, the the meat, the important part. part. One thing I learned about myself through law school was that for me, it's, I have to do it in three different mediums for it to stick in my head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I have to hear it. I have to write it. Then I have to speak it. Mm-hmm. And so I have to like move it through my body. So you looked yeah. like a crazy person when you were studying. <laughs> that's actually that's actually 100%. like a super common way, uh, yeah. or a popular way to to study now is like, yeah. and it's why I read got these, stu- write it, and then you have to like teach it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and so I mean, I try to approach all of these things the exact yeah, same way. Yeah. Like, and that's why I, I joke that I've been writing this for a lifetime because far before i wrote this i mean i have hundreds of pages in my microsoft OneNote of just random thoughts of like hearing something on a podcast or encountering something on a page yeah. and, and then, then just having just, to stop and just writing you it find the it. muse and you have to like 100 just chase 100 yeah she doesn't like to be told hold no. on a second yeah no she does not um the beautiful part about this is even though you've written it you're not done living it oh 100 yeah I, that's and that's where um c.s lewis has another saying about uh I come to you as f- from one student to another, bringing you lessons I have learned. I think that's an Austin Cleon yeah. he talks about in one mm-hmm. of his books. Um, and that's absolutely true. I wrote this book for me as the book I wish I would have had two years ago. Mm-hmm. And it will always be that. And it's going to be something that I come back to over and over again. Yeah. Even even just like going back through and editing it, I'm just like, oof. This section on Boethius yeah, is like, I'm going like, to read this. This is fire. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Not that. Not that. But it's like it It was reading it again today. It was yeah. just like exactly the type of reminder mm-hmm. I needed. Yeah. And it's and it's just so great. Um, and so it's very much going to be something that I use as a tool throughout the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, well, I'm excited I'm, for other people to be able to use it. I'm yeah. excited for your well. kids to read it one day. Yeah. This will be part I'm of what makes you a that. good father. Yeah. For the sure. one thing I do um, – before. I don't want to forget this because you were talking about how we might find God in the mundane mm-hmm. there. Uh, I don't know how many times I've said this on the podcast, but don't know who said it. Can't remember who said it. Um, sources are just, you know, listen, man, you're like 
balls deep in editing mode. <laughs> I, I and you're also a lawyer, so you've already yeah, remembered yeah. a lot, of, a lot stuff. of stuff. I appreciate the hype up. You're whenever, good. Whenever we have you next time, we will have an assistant to look things up. Yeah, <laughs> slash I love intern. That. I love that. And they will not be paid. They I will not that. be paid. I love that. But they can have free manscape twenty <laughs> percent. Yeah. We'll get them some Rowan we'll too. Get some yeah, Rowan. get them some yeah. Rowan. Yeah, we'll there we go. There we go. And maybe a melon hat. But the um. The idea was there was there was a professor um, lecturing on theology and God, and one of his students comes up to him afterward and says, "I can't bring myself to believe in God. Mm-hmm. I just, I, it's, it all seems meaningless to me and hopeless, and I can't make myself see it any other way." That is the conclusion of like I know that without God, that this is where it leads to me, and this sort of existential angst, mm-hmm. nothing to resolve it, and the professor. And C.S. Lewis kind of says this actually in, in his books, makes sort of the same logical argument as it's like, if you can't bring yourself to believe in God, try going three days where you treat everybody you meet as if they were Jesus in disguise and see how that lens of life brightens your days. Yeah. And then, and then you tell me which one's true and which one's not. Mm-hmm. And so then the student goes and does that. You know, the first thing he does is he goes home and he helps his mom wash the dishes. And then it kind of unravels like that. Yeah. And so it just it brightens a darkened horizon. And so it's acting as if God exists, even yeah. if you can't bring yourself to believe it fully. How does Jordan Peterson put it is like it's better to live life as though there is a God, even if there is like. Well, so uh, I'm sure he does say that. Something like There's that. Blaise Pascal is yeah. he has something called Pascal's Wager. Um, Why does that sound familiar? I'm sure you've heard of it. So a French philosopher in the 1600s, Pascal talks about his wagers. He, he approaches it from the gambler's perspective mm-hmm. of if if God doesn't exist and you act as if he does, you lose nothing. Mm-hmm. If God does exist and you act as if he doesn't, you, you lose, lose everything. everything. Yeah. So you have an infinite amount to lose sure. if you don't believe in him and he does exist, but you have nothing to lose if – he doesn't exist and you do believe in him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he, he approaches it from that perspective. Now yeah. he, he, there's a whole that's, obviously host of that's things. an oversimplification, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's the thrust of it. That's mm-hmm. the thrust of it. And so every sort of formulation and argument since then has been a recasting of yeah. blaze, how blaze put it. Um, and it's a really interesting way to think about it for sure. And, and what people don't people, obviously the reaction to that is like, Oh, well that's a, a feigned belief, right? Like, but but Blaze doesn't make that case for yeah. everybody. He is simply making that case for somebody who cannot yeah. bring themselves to believe. Yeah. And so what is the alternative? Right. And so he's trying to get that person to be like, why, what do you have to lose? Yeah. Yeah. And then the idea is that they would establish relationships, see how, mm-hmm. see how it has a positive impact on their life, mm-hmm. and then they would be convinced. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and even like even in the worst case scenario, if if you can't be convinced or brought over the threshold to believing in a, a higher being, a god, whatever you want to call it, just acting that way throughout life, you're gonna have you're gonna have a better life. You yeah. just are. Yeah, you're gonna have more fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The one thing I wanted to ask you about, yeah, um, please. The I was told, and this kind of goes to my jumps to my second book a little bit mm-hmm. about mythology, and what we were talking about reading the Bible metaphorically yeah. earlier. I was told that you once either gave a speech about or wrote something about uh, sort of reframing the Bible as uh, like a mythical tale. 
Oh man, I, that sounds like something I might have gone off and ranted about. I don't. Th- I don't think I ever wrote anything about that. <laughs> well, I think it was um, like a presentation or like a presentation, maybe, um, or like gave some sort of talk or like you were part of like a men's Bible study or something. I don't know. On, I have no idea. That's here's the thing. That sounds exactly like me. Yeah. Um, I at this moment I can't recall exactly. Yeah. No. No. No worries. With. The only reason I brought it up is yeah. yeah there was um. The, the there's this book called Homer from Homer to Harry Potter, mm-hmm. um, where it talks about in the medieval in medieval ages there was a guy, a uh, a bard who mm-hmm. did that same thing where he wanted to sort of revivify and make beautiful again the bible and so yeah. that's what he did was he just told it as if it was a the bible retold as if it was just mm-hmm. a one big mythical story i mean i will say that like reading rob bell um what is the bible completely uh it gave me license to re-examine the entire document in all sorts of different ways from yeah. going to you know the source origin of the word to uh, looking at it metaphorically to seeing what was like songs and praises and poems and how you know what was real about it like what what connected with what and how it was a you know a covenant fulfilled the entire thing is is this long tapestry of history combining with philosophy and why god would at the end of the day save us and what that meant so that i mean that that book gave me license to do that um but yeah I, anyway i haven't read that one but um I don't know that you need to based on your like current. <laughs> no, no, like for, no, for, for like for real. Like, on based on where you are already, you're there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, like, if you're, I like consuming things that will give knowledge, even if they don't maybe seem applicable to me in, yeah. in the present, because I I like doing that. It, I think it's fun. I I can like Bruce Lee. I can get something out of yeah. pretty much everything, um, even if I'm being a dick about it, uh, <laughs> which I sometimes am, but. I loved how it recontextualized different stories and gave a little bit of history and, and like, you know, Jesus, whenever his disciples were traveling, they weren't traveling with 12 dudes, just like hanging out, you know, sausage party in their way. They were, they were traveling with a, a large group of women who were funding their entire trip. And the main woman was Pilate's wife. And it, it kind of it, you go oh 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 that's why that's he was why, like i can't judge him like, that's I, why when he sit, was and yeah then whenever he came back he was like well now because of honor like i have to condemn you i don't yeah. have a choice you're hanging out with my wife who's using uh you know like who's using taxpayer dollars to fund to basically fund rebellion. your yeah. missions yeah. so which is really cool to look at it that way yeah um and just have that context it also gives way better context and passion of the christ just really quick like <laughs> There's these random flashes to Pilate's wife as he's being judged. And yeah. when you're watching the movie without that context, you're like, you're like why are we showing the chick? Who's this bitch? Is it what? Who? <laughs> who for, like, it just flashes. Yeah, yeah. It Like, there's two Which flashes. Is, because once you understand, you're like, oh, you're like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, That's, that makes a lot yeah. of sense. Um, so if you're into, like, that, I highly recommend the book. Um, well, so th- that was, uh, speaking of faith journeys, yeah. one of the more healing healing is not the right word um cathartic one of my yeah one of my favorite parts of the book was when i explore some of the human dynamics of uh what was happening in the mediterranean at the time Mm -hmm. of the fall of rome and the rise of christianity and what were the games that were being played Mm -hmm. we like to think of the bible as pure truth right but they were humans that were writing it so like could it be that the truth-seeking game wasn't entirely what was being played? For example, mm-hmm. 
Um, I mean, you have St. Paul going to Corinth, the Corinthians, mm-hmm. yeah. who are s- steeped in ancient Greek culture. Yeah. And so he is a delivering – he's delivering messages to them yeah. in their language. He's meeting them where they are. Same thing with, with, uh, with John. So John starts out his book, and, and he's like, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word yeah. was God. It, but he, capital W word, it's logos. What he yeah. what he was saying is a concept that they would have been familiar with with the Stoics, and so like you see how they were delivering these message and riffing off of each other, and then you also have the Christians who are being persecuted. Mm. They're being killed by Romans, and so of course they're going to depict a God where these people that have more power than them are going to have to stand before a judge that lives outside of time. Absolutely, mm. and so. Of course, they would write a god that the poor would inherit. Yes, you know, like that, exactly. That's that going is, to vindicate them. Right, it's yeah. going to keep those in power over them in check. Mm-hmm. This is actually what Nietzsche thought. Right, that, why I thought he thought Christianity mm-hmm. advocated for a slave morality. He called yeah. it right. Um, Nietzsche also went insane. Before. True, true. From syphilis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, yeah. Way to go, dude. <laughs> <laughs> slave. Nice. nice. From slave, uh, yeah, from no. slave mentality to slave mentality. <laughs> I always wish Rasputin would have written a book. Uh, no, but yeah, we don't need to go into it further. Anyway. But that was like oh, that yeah. exploring those dynamics mm-hmm. was um, very enlightening. Isn't yeah. it? Um, and then you just start to see they're just they're human dynamics at play. Yeah, and they're human, same as us. Um, it just like we're apt to take like the God out of everyday life. I think we're very apt to take the human out of like the Bible. Oh, out of our heroes. That's generally. a tweet. Yeah, that's a tweet yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. Uh, what a I'm and I'm trying to like it's kind of a segue question, but relevant. What has it been like to finish like write and finish the book in a place that's not where you're from? Like to be doing accomplishing these things that you weren't pursuing in your home, up and move to Texas to Austin, and all of a yeah. sudden like now you're coming out with a book it's you asking me that question the very common theme in the hero's journey Mm -hmm. is you venture away from home and then you bring the treasure back home yeah Mm -hmm. um which uh, is something that's been very this feels like my journey away from home yeah Yeah. to do that exploration Mm -hmm. and um find that treasure so to speak uh whether or not that leads me back home physically to Iowa. Yeah. I don't know, but I will say that it only took a few weeks in Austin for this to feel like more like home yeah. than anywhere I've ever been. When you could argue simply by publishing, you've brought the knowledge home. Cause now it's available Certainly. for them. Like yeah. you, you, you can publish that. it from here and it's out there. Well, I've not, uh, yeah. Uh, um, don't here, leave. Look, That's what the we're question saying. That we are all asking when I get arrested and I will, can you get me out of jail? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, probably not, actually. Fair. But, uh... So you're a bad lawyer. So, so the t-shirts I had made up, Noah Heisman, he'll get you off. That doesn't... That no longer that applies. Does, that no longer It might be that. false advertising. It might be false advertising. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, I, it should say, uh, Noah Heisman, he can start your business. Cool. Legally. Legally. L- legally. Cool. Yes. We might need you to look at our... Because I went to LegalZoom. That's I don't know. He's probably more expensive than LegalZoom. actually fair. <laughs> That's why. Um, no, I was like, yeah, you can you, afford me. You said some things about it earlier, but uh, I want to ask you explicitly. Like, what made Austin feel like home so quickly? Uh, I don't know how to pack, package it in anything other than the cliche ways, but it was just 
the community of people. Um, and I think specifically within the community, it's this mindset. Austin has a way of drawing people. A lot of folks that, I mean, there are some that are from here, but there are a lot of folks that aren't from here. Mm-hmm. And, and it, and I think that's because it attracts the type of person that is a seeker that is looking for something. It's yeah. sort of working on something. And there is a certain sort of um, space and freedom when people are all working on their own interesting things and just seeking that they don't have as much time as other as other places I've been to critique or judge mm-hmm. or be clicky. It's yeah. just everybody helped. For me, it was – I've never been in a place that felt so much like a one giant collaboration. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so <clears throat> for me, it was more about this walking me home to myself. Yeah. yeah. Which is, I think is what a good relationship is supposed to do. Yeah. Um, it, it, of that, like it wasn't necessarily anything externally about this place. It was what this place gave me the space to be not only gave me the space to be, but drew out of me mm-hmm. like actively. Like this is the first time I felt like I was a community that actively tried to draw me out into mm-hmm. a better version of myself. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> it's, I mean, Squatch is a huge part of that. Yeah. 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 I, I hear it, it makes me mad how much of a community Squatch is. <laughs> it is yeah. Me too. Like, I, 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 like, like honestly, it's like, dang it. I'm a part of it. I'm a part of this thing. And I love it. <laughs> God damn it. Darn it. <laughs> Um, you worried that you're you're a cult you're a cult members now? Well, I mean, like I'm already a part of one, so I might yeah, as well just like, be yeah. all right, fine, fine. Um, Give me all the cults. Well, dude, we appreciate your time yeah. so much. We appreciate your beauty and you gracing us with it. And, and we really just have one more question. And well, and fr- I'm so excited to find the the book. I'm excited for it to come out. Have you picked a date yet, or is it still February 11th? February 11th. Okay. All right. It's so, out now, so we're going to hold you to it. 2-11-2022. We can pick it up on Amazon, I'm assuming. Yep. So I'm going to do like the Kindle and then the print on demand. Yeah. Okay. Um, so self-publishing route, which Perfect. we've not talked about, but we'll talk we'll about it. We'll talk about it. Yeah, for sure. Off yeah. mic. Um, leave a review. Go buy it for sure. Where can we follow you? What else do we need to be on the lookout for? Uh, yeah. From? So the Instagram right now, I've like just started a few, like a month ago, um, this way underscore to the stars. Um, at Noah Heisman three. Those are sort of the personal IGs. Was that your football number? Three. Yeah, it was nice. Uh, but it also is representative of the Trinity. Yeah, nice. Very ah, nice. That also like sounds it. like backwards rationalizing, but I'll let you do it. No, I, I, every time I scored a touchdown, <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it was it was like it. Yeah, it was well, all. It, it was the whole thing. Yeah, I like it. Was, it. it was. Yeah, sure. Nice. And th- my nickname, I this one was like ego for sure. <laughs> a lot of my, like, you know, like usernames and stuff mm-hmm. on like AIM and yeah. Trinity Dude, was yeah. the yeah. <gasps> throwback. I like nice. it. Uh, Trinity Heisman. Nice. So at Trinity Heisman is also. <laughs> Trinity Heisman. Um, uh, heck yeah. Uh, uh, but for everyone listening. Trinity, I'm better than Jesus. Everyone listening. <laughs> Make sure on February 11th to go by This Way to the Stars this by the stars. Noah Heisman. It is going to be so good. I'm really, really excited to read it. Like, for real. Um, And you have obviously poured, you have poured your life into this. You've poured every year of your life into this book and we're excited to read it. Thank you for sharing it with us, but also with the world. We do need it. Um, But if you don't like it, then you don't like me. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. (laughs) So no pressure. Um, (laughs) Last question. We ask all of our guests, take your time answering it. If you must, it's a heavy hitter. 
what does it mean to you to be a Texan? Hmm. Because you are one. You live here now. So. Yeah. You said yourself, this feels like home. I So. To be a Texan to me represents it, it to me Texas embodies the spirit of complete freedom to be whoever to be who God made you to be mm-hmm. so it's like um there's this there's this prayer that that it's like um it ends with I, I pray that um, it, it basically ends with I hope I hope for nothing more than for me to be who I am is basically what it is mm-hmm. for me to be I want nothing more than for me to be who you made me to be mm-hmm. you being God mm-hmm. and so in order for that to happen there has to be an environment that enables that to happen Mm -hmm. and in a world of human structures thoughts beliefs institutions there is a specific and very unique type of environment that is required for somebody to completely be themselves and i don't think anywhere has done it as well as texas yeehaw Hell yes. Yeah. Yes and amen. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the camera. Bye, Bye y'all. Texas. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Heck yeah. Dude, thank you so much for thank hanging you with guys. us. Yeah, man. That was great. Was like, have you back on. Yeah, like well, when like, book two comes out, when the book know. is out, when but like you're always welcome on our Yeah, show. you're welcome and you're welcome over anytime. This is great. Um, the one thing we didn't get to talk to that I wish we would have was uh, biggest um, things you're most skeptical about Ooh. with respect to me and or the book. Ooh. I, I would love to. I would love if you to. you want to, yeah. No, we don't have to talk about it now, but oh, yeah. I mean, we could. It's up to you guys. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Yeah. Let's do it quick. Right. Just quick. <clears throat> Just because it's yeah. healthy. Um, yeah. And everybody... I, how am I to know my own bias and flaws if not pointed out by other folks? Yeah. Is is there a way that because um, I want to be conscious of you know this this is your baby yeah uh, is there a way that we can help you out the most in this line of like our particular questioning some ways we can phrase it or no nah, bro just yeah no All authentic right, just make yeah. it make it real fair enough real and raw um I mean let's let's get the like obvious one out of the way. There's no way you said any of this better than anybody who's already said it. So why are you saying it? Mm. Yeah, uh, that's 100% true. Yeah. Um, and so I think this goes back to something I, I mentioned earlier on the podcast of um, I am delivering this message. And I actually say this in the introduction that like I, I'm not saying this better than other people. Mm-hmm. I am coming to you as a student relaying the messages that I have. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I will say is that I do feel a little uniquely trained in terms of my ability to synthesize a lot Mm -hmm. of these things from a high level perspective that I haven't seen a ton of people do. Mm -hmm. But in terms of individual things, 
I am not an expert on any one of these people. Yeah. There are other people that are experts, but I also I don't know that anybody has. I know that nobody has woven them together as mm-hmm. I have. Yeah. I mean that's awesome. So I read this book and I I see you know these pieces woven together in a very special way. What do I walk away from it with? Like, how does this help me? Mm. Um. <laughs> well, you should read the book. Um, the, 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 <laughs> I will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That so the second section there is all it's value of philosophy. Before I even get into the philosophers, yeah. I offer a few reasons why it matters. Yeah. Um, the most important is that uh, studying and contemplating the true good and beautiful, capital T true, capital sure. G good, capital E beautiful, is one of the few things in life that is an end in and of itself. It's it is valuable for its own sake. Yeah. In terms of the tools it gives you on how to live well and like just in, in terms of ordering your soul. Mm-hmm. And so when we move through school, we're taught how to be productive members of society, and but we're left clever but not wise. So we're giving all of these ways to make a buck, but we're not – philosophy isn't for most people sort of a part of their day-to-day life. Pierre Hardot calls it philosophy as a way of life. Mm-hmm. And so the point of this book is to make philosophy a, w- a way of life. That's part of it mm-hmm. in a way that, um, as the title would suggest, there is a certain elevation of consciousness of your state, ascension of your sh- your soul that I believe happens mm-hmm. when you contemplate the universe, when you contemplate the true, good, and beautiful, when you live on that edge of what you know and can talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and the more you sort of think about those things, the why question, the question that can't be answered, I think that you um, – slowly shape yourself more into the what's known as the magnanimous man the magnanimous soul big souled person i think that's one two um i think that sort of uh, as a riff off of that um winston churchill has this speech called 50 years hence and i quote it at length in the book um but his premise is he's also speaking you know like world war one world war two area era when technology is being used to deal death at massive scale Mm -hmm. yeah so this idea that we know that technology increases exponentially very rapidly and the risk if sort of the um, tending to our moral intuitions, mm-hmm. if that doesn't keep pace, mm-hmm. then inevitably as we distribute technology into more and more people's hands and they don't have the tools to think through these questions with compassion, with love, and sort of all of the vir- what all of the virtues that – these mm-hmm. philosophers talk about if they yeah. don't have those things in mind, if they don't have sort of these, this mindset and these lenses to bring to bear to those questions, mm-hmm. it inevitably leads to our destruction. And so, as that gap grows between technology and sort of um, the the soul of society, I guess you'll say, mm-hmm. then it leads to destruction. So that's part of what I hope to do with the book is um, make ancient wisdom cool again Mm -hmm. in a way that's practical um so that's what i hope people take away from it is is sort of beneficial for you and your own life but then also to me it was this situation of of if i was discontented with the direction i saw society going it was not enough to simply complain about it i needed to offer a solution Mm -hmm. the book in some way is part of my solution Mm -hmm. of like just wanting to inspire more conversations like this yeah 
as we are inevitably forced to confront a number of serious questions about what direction we want society to go in, in terms of with like certain technology or even like the metaverse, like there are moral things and discussions that need to happen in ancient Athens. They were happening all over the place. Yeah. It's very much a part of society. Now I worry that it's in the hands of the few making the decisions versus a part of everyday life. Yeah. Isn't that just Pareto's distribution? Pareto's. Di yeah. So yeah, it is partially mm -hmm. um, that 20% of the people are going to make those decisions. But I would argue that just because they're making decisions, it's our ability as citizens in this unique country we've cultivated yeah. to keep ourselves informed so that when it comes time to stand up to the decision makers, we are informed. Like we sort of know and have these discussions on a, yeah. on a, on a, on a regular enough basis to form our thoughts. I mean, I 100% agree. My, my worry is that like books like this about philosophy, the people who pick them up are the last people who need to read them because they already know what they're going to read. They're just going to see it repeated. So, like, how do you plan on or do you see this getting into hand, into the hands of the people who are, I mean, let's just call it for what it is, like, not as privileged as we are. Yeah. Whether it be education or status or any of those things. Yeah. Um, so, the, um, whether this is a defense mechanism or not, I don't know. Sure. Uh, the... Um, I honestly think the most valuable piece of all of this isn't the book. Mm -hmm. It's... That the book now I have a bunch of I've always wanted to teach. Yeah. That's what I'm really passionate about is like the education, and there's um, so the in I Lord, can tell it shows in, <laughs> in in Lord of the Rings um when Gandalf is talking about what his duty is yeah he talks about the gray or the white uh, it, I'm actually not sh it has to be gray because I'm pretty sure it's in fellowship if it's in fellowship it's gray but yeah if it's fellowship it's gray no I don't I like it might even be like in Cimmerillion. Oh, oh, so we're shit. going way back. Yeah, All right. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember for sure, though. Uh, That's always anyway. my way of making sure people are real fans and cool. readers or not. It's like, oh, Gandalf, which one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Gray great. or white? Uh, it's, it might be in – and it's in the book. It's not in any of the movies. Yeah. Um, but he talks about how uh, it's his duty, his job. The reason he is there is to be – he says, if anything can make it through this dark night that is worthy, mm -hmm. then I have done my job. Mm -hmm. And so it's like that preservation of the true, good, and beautiful. I think that's the aim of like the philosopher, yeah. mm -hmm. um, generally. But that the the and the education piece. I mean, that's very much where I see using Instagram for. And so I was gonna those, ask. So are you gonna teach more sure. digitally, or are you yeah, gonna go yeah. teach at LBJ High School in Both. East Austin? I would love to teach at the University of Austin one day. Yeah. The okay. new university that's sprouting up. Um, I think that would be phenomenal. Um. But that's, that's very much where I'm going to offer those. You don't need to buy the book. Mm -hmm. it, that has simply given me the content that I want to talk about and yeah. I'm like super passionate about Sure. to like deliver in short snippets. And this mm -hmm. is what, this is one thing, whatever you feel about him, Ryan Holiday is very good at. Yeah. Um, well, he, I mean, he is a marketing maverick. Yeah. Like I, I remember going through UT and like in, in the communication school, you had to read confessions of a, you know yeah former whatever it was called um media confessions of a c-word <laughs> <laughs> you guys is dislike yeah, yeah, yeah. Rim cracks me up Dude, it's not dislike it's, it's, it's disdain just... yeah uh, it's well i mean it, i'm kind of interrupting but so like my skepticism more comes from like you know the real guy 
yes like well not just the real guy piece like i know you and you're an amazing dude and i i would put you in front of anybody and say this guy does the things that are in the book he actually cares about and he practices Mm -hmm. i've interacted with even a bob goff and honestly my experience was like you don't this is performative all of this stuff is mark and i'm a marketer so i'm like this is marketing this is manipulation um something that tears me in two frequently Mm -hmm. is that i will become that Mm. how do you do you have the tools in place to keep yourself you got me so i'll definitely be watching for sure (laughs) that's where i think i'll have to rely on people like you right like to to keep me in check because that is my if there was one thing that my mom taught me is that the worst thing you can be in this life is disingenuous Yeah. yeah um and even like, yeah, I just even saying that out loud, like, oh, you're just, you're doing this in a performative way. It's like fudge. <laughs> it's like, oh shit, am I? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's I mean, to me, you're not like right. at this point, you're not. And really, knowing you in the content of your character and the community that you're a part of, you won't. Yeah. Um, but I nice. I've been wondering like, is there any worry on your part of like, how do you use? How do you keep from becoming performative? How do you keep from becoming a brand yeah. um, instead of a message? And I do believe, like, hearing you talk about teaching, that's likely one yeah. way to do it, to literally yeah. teach what you're preaching instead of just like, oh, I wrote a book and now I sell it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I I don't – I haven't figured out the formula. Yeah. Because it keeps – like, if there's one thing that keeps me up, it is that mm-hmm. of, like – I think one of the other things that's prevented me from publishing it sooner is this idea that like, if it, if it does have success, Mm -hmm. am I ready for it? Yeah. And this is where I, so my three, we got to cut this off at some point, but like my three pillars of my inner counsel that I go through, I go back to all the time, Solomon, Marcus Aurelius, Abraham Lincoln. Mm -hmm. Now, what do all three of them have in common? They were all leaders yeah of their time of like vast empires and all three of them cared only about being a good person mm-hmm. at least from what we know about them yeah so like marcus aurelius right power of life and death over everybody in the known world at that time all all from meditations all we see is a guy that cared about being a good person having yeah. a good soul mm-hmm. abraham lincoln is the same way yeah like i there's there's one person i know life best it's his and he's like not he's not in the book but yeah solomon is the same way Mm -hmm. but he's also a cautionary tale yeah Yeah. oh for sure because he's both the wisest person that ever lived and he's the cautionary tale of what happens when you sort of fall off that path yeah and so that's where my association with all three of them is that i admire these guys and i will fail to live up because like marcus aurelius uh managed to do with more what we fail to do with less meaning um the temptations he was able to resist when he could have done whatever he wanted Mm -hmm. that's way more admirable when i yield to temptations that are way less Mm -hmm. right um in in magnitude than the ones that he managed to overcome Mm -hmm. so that is probably the thing i worry about the most is that i won't live up to that as my temptations increase yeah i will fall short 
and I'm going to fall short. Yeah. I'm human. Well, I mean, I, I do want to say I know we were talking skeptics, but now right. we're going right back to encouraging. It's really hard <laughs> for us um, to like stay there. Yeah, because it's just not. I Gunner can't even do it. We blow like, smoke, but like we love yeah, people because yeah. we also have an operating compass of like let's be good people. Yeah. And it, but I, don't forget that you have this inner council of three people who did it. So obviously yeah. it's possible on any scale. Um, plus you have me who's a sarcastic asshole and will make fun of you like yeah. I do Ryan Holiday, yeah. like I do Ecker Tolley, because they're not As philosophers. They're not philosophers. They're As marketers. Yeah. Let's yeah. call it for what it is. As you should. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, dude. And I'm gonna I'm gonna count on you. Hey. You see me every day. <laughs> hey, Don't hold back. Yeah, All yeah. right. Yeah, man. Cool. Yeah. cool. Is there anything else you guys want to talk about? Well, just because you brought it up and it's a bigger question and it kind of bookmark it, but yeah. like, man, what does it mean to be a good person? <laughs> yeah. Um, Woof. So if I had to sum it up in a line, it would be to be better than the things that hurt you. Mm, meaning? Meaning if, if somebody um, does something that, I mean, so we have the golden rule. Right, mm-hmm. and that it is comes from. I mean, it's, there's a variation of it in the Bible that says, "Treat others as you like would like to be treated." Treat your neighbor the way you would like to be treated. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, there's also something called the silver rule, which is do not do unto others what you do not want done unto you, mm-hmm. and it's sort of the same thing. And so, like when somebody does something, and you're like, "Dang, that kind of hurt." Yeah. Instead of repaying an eye for an eye, it's absorbing that. It's the turn the other cheek. Unkindness. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I think I think a lot of what being a good person is, is um, doing your best. This is an abstract way of putting it. but We're talking philosophy. We can do abstract. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, like, like doing your best to repair the world as much as possible. Not mm-hmm. contribute to the wounds of the world, mm-hmm. but to be a peacemaker, to be a healer, to be a... a doctor like you know what i mean like just doing your part to to heal those things instead of perpetuating them and so what that looks like is to me it looks like treating everybody you meet as if they're jesus in disguise Mm -hmm. to me it looks like forgive them father for they know not what they do Mm -hmm. it looks like compassion it looks like the good good samaritan it looks like doing the most with what you've been given it looks like gratitude for um, everything that's led up, all of the sacrifices mm-hmm. of the past that have led up to this, and that the only way to honor that is to do the most that you can. Yeah, it's like if we stand on, if we see further, it's because we stand on the shoulders of giants, as Newton would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think being a good person is, it, it is all of those things. Um, and and I think we, even if that's only informed by our own conscious, I think we have a sense or intuit it. In terms of the dire- the direction that we go of of when we make a decision, we can sense at some level whether it's taking us toward the good or the bad. Mm-hmm. And so I think it is just paying attention to yourself. It's living the examined life, as Socrates would call it, knowing the motivations behind what you're doing, taking back agency, and helping other people do the same, and all the while trying as best as you can to just inspire, empower, and help other people come alive like keep that flame i've one of my favorite sayings is it's on the side of our sauna is feed the flame Mm -hmm. this idea that like 
again, going back to Lord of the Rings. Uh, in hey man, the Jr. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis were tight as fuck. There's so, so, so there's a lot. <laughs> of, yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. But the um, the source of everything in Lord of the Rings is Iluvatar, the the, the eternal flame. Mm-hmm. Um, and I it, there's the idea, you know, in Christianity that we're all sort of shares of the divine. We each have the flame. It's the Greek myth of Prometheus that tells mm-hmm. the same thing in a secular way. We've stolen that fire from the God, and that is the divine capacity within us. But anyway, the um, there's this there's another proverb saying that for lack of food, the for lack of wood, the fire goes out, and so I very much see myself as blow, doing our best to blow on the embers of humanity, mm-hmm. like whoever you are, whoever you encounter, it's like they hold within them a flame that is a reflection of God. Yeah, what can you do to make sure that that isn't snuffed out? Mm-hmm. How do you blow on that ember? To me, that's all being a good person is, mm-hmm. is like feeding your flame so you can feed the flame, showing other people to do mm-hmm. how to do that. Yeah. I, that's always a really hard question. Like, yeah. Well, like, I, mean, I mean, to sum it up, being a good person is blowing hard. That's what I took from it. <laughs> yeah, that sounds right. That sounds about right. That's what you said. I'm funny. I think you're, I, I think you're hilarious. I have never said anything to the contrary. Uh, follow us on Twitter at TexasPod. <laughs> That's, um, awesome. no. That's where Gunner blows smoke. I appreciate you guys so much. Dude, yeah, I appreciate, appreciate you. Man. It was awesome. Thank you. To, and, uh, yeah, that was I, a I genuine could joke. Talk to you for the entire night about yeah, philosophy, all of the this. nature of. Gaming, I really want to like what light, truth is. Like, I want to light cigars and just yeah. like keep it going. Definitely. I mean, I, I was just I, I was just thinking like, in the course of that, I have three more questions that I need to ask. <laughs> Well, I have a wife that I have to like. <laughs> oh, you have a wife. Oh, we get in. it, bro. God, yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm married. No, but this is great. Thank Heck you. Guys yeah, so much. we love you, Noah. We appreciate you so much. Yeah. This way to the stars, February 11th. Get it while it's hot. I'm gonna try it again. Texish. That was way better than the first one. Nice. Bye, Bye y'all. Bye, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Heck yeah, I gotta pee. Uh, I'm surprised you made it this time. Great. Did we see Lance this week? <laughs> so, I got a call. You got a call? It was an unknown number. Okay. Um, and I should have known because the number was like vaguely yellow. Ah, uh, had a yellow tint. Had a yellow tint to it. I wasn't expecting it. I, I answered it. I'm like, hey, um, you know, is my is my uh, car's extended warranty <laughs> up for <laughs> renewal? About your car's extended warranty. <laughs> Do you know, just playing around like yeah. I do. And... Wouldn't you know it, man? It was Lance. It was Lance, and he was like, "Hey, man, this is Lance." I was like, "Oh, where are you? Were you almost What's going like, on? Where, where yeah, what, I was looking around my room, like, where are you hiding? Yeah." And he's like, "Hey, I'm not gonna mess with you guys this week. I just wanted to let you know, forever and always, Texas podcast." I thought you were gonna say, "I just want to let you know, I'm suing you for defamation <laughs> of character." Dude, I can't wait till that <laughs> happens. Lance, if you're listening, please sue us. My address is one four nine four six Arrowhead Drive. If you want to serve us here. Please, please do. do that. Please. I would in please person is preferable, but like please sue us. If anyone honestly, I want to mobilize our listeners really quick. If you will follow Lance on Instagram and then just send him our episodes and tell him in the DM these guys want you to sue him. <laughs> or these guys want you to sue them, that would be the for Seth's soothing 
of his breakup. Right. All he wants you to do is get Lance to sue is us. Is to get Lance to sue us out of our minds. That's it. That's it. That's all. Bye, Bye y'all. <laughs>